Hello everyone and welcome back to Damage Counter Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Pokemon TCG. You got Phelan over here. And you got Josh over here. And we're happy, as always, to be bringing y'all another episode, episode 47. Uh, as always, we got some fun stuff to talk about today. Eveltal EX is our card of the day. Uh, quite a few news stories related to some new sets, as well as quite a few tournaments that have happened over the past two weeks. We're going to be talking about one of the hottest new archetypes out of Paradox Rift in our 60-card showcase. Uh, the, the deck that I think surprised us all at LAIC, Entei Iron Valiant. We're going to be talking about that. And then at the top of the show in our main discussion, we're going to be breaking down our top five cards that we want to see get a shiny reprint in Paldean Fates. So that being said, let's go ahead and get things started. But as always, Josh, my man, how you doing? Uh, been doing pretty good. Been very busy. Uh, busy time of year, you know, holidays. Yeah. Love it, hate it. Uh, I hate everything leading up to the day. I enjoy the day with the <laughs> friends and family. <laughs> and I'm thank then I'm thankful it's over. I'll be honest. <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty related. I think a lot of people can relate to that, to be honest. Yeah. Anyway, uh, been doing pretty good. Uh. Outside of just being busy with work, like I was saying, uh, been kind of chilling for the most part. Uh, Super Mario RPG, I've been playing a whole bunch of that. Amazing game. I'm jealous. I want to play it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's been a good time sinker. And uh, I've kind of been like getting back into playing Pokemon a bit more here. Uh, we actually hung out a few times now, been playing a bit more, which has been fun. Uh, been dabbling on live a bit more lately. I don't know. It's still like nowhere near perfect, but it's it's a lot more stomachable now. I'll, I'll say, you know. Yeah, I think uh, I think Paradox Rift might be the first set that launched without like any new cards being like glitchy. Um, I mean, there's still some pre-existing issues. Uh, not to mention like when the set dropped. They, like, bugged something in the code that, like, people couldn't even start the game. That was funny. But as far as the game itself, like, all the new cards seem to work fine. And, you know, the glitches and yeah. bugs are still there. But it, 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 it does it, seem at least less common. Still there. It still happens enough times it, that, like, it, it'll end my <laughs> it'll end my <laughs> session for the night. But it, it doesn't seem yeah. as common. Yeah, it, it. I mean, it's playable, I guess, though. I mean, we kind of talked about this the other day. It's just, like, it, it is the only option you have to play online, so... You know, it is what it is. Uh, I think I've kind of gotten over that hurdle with myself a bit, too, I'm going to be honest, because that is a bit of it. Uh, it just decided, whatever, I'm just going to keep playing it. So, I've been on there, been playing a fair amount, uh, been having fun a little bit. Standard's not my favorite right now, but... Uh, it's personally enjoyable, I think. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, I, I do... I still am mainly playing Gardevoir. Gardevoir is really good right now, so that could be like a kind of a skewer, <laughs> on my opinion, in that situation. I, I will freely admit. It's it's always nice when your favorite Pokemon is not only competitively viable, but arguably the best deck in format. Failing can tell you, I, I've never been a tier chaser, but even back when we played fighting games, I, I would just pick characters and then like we'd find out tier lists and be like, oh look, they're top tier. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you're like, yep, that checks out. <laughs> anyway, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I've been fun playing Gardevoir, so, I mean, that's good enough for me right now. I'm, I'm decently happy, and I think there's a couple of fun other decks out there to try out and play right now. I mean, for the most part, Standard is in a healthy spot. It's just hard if you don't find a, what of like, I don't know, coming back from Brilliant Stars when it literally was pretty much you could play anything, or, like, now we are in a healthy format, but there still is a very limited amount of decks that you can choose, I think, if you viably yeah. want to win. Yeah, I so. think I agree with that. Yeah, so, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, anyway, besides that, uh, like I talked about, you and me have been hanging out a bit more. We streamed last week. That was pretty fun. Yeah, we did a, a fun little PTCG live, just chill live stream on the uh, Damage Counter YouTube page. Uh, so if y'all aren't following or, or subscribed to our YouTube channel, uh, definitely check us out, uh, Damage Counter Podcast on YouTube.com. We're going to try to get more streams like that out. Um, I need to get some assets made for them because I was... Well, that was just kind of like an idea you and I had like last second. Like I got home from work that day and then, or, or rather you texted me while I was at work. You're like, hey, we're going to do that tonight? I was like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like no assets, no thumbnail, no nothing. Just, <laughs> it was weird. I know, but, I, we, but we made it work. I, I had, definitely we did. It was a lot of fun actually. I enjoyed it a lot. I was thinking about it and uh, feel free to cut this out if you want, but I was playing it. I'll bring it up. I really think we should just shoot for I was kind of thinking, like, maybe once in our off weeks, we just try to get together, stream for a couple hours a night. Like, we don't have to set it in stone or anything, but I think that'd be pretty cool. Give us a little, like, offset content the week where we don't have the podcast, and then it's just kind of easy. Record it, slap it up. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's something I've been wanting to do for a while. I just wasn't sure, like, what form we wanted it to take. Because the tabletop yeah. stuff, it's just, like, you gotta edit, or at least the way that I envision it nowadays, which is why that Gym Leader Challenge video isn't out yet, because it's just, you know, the way I envision it, I want to do more editing on those, and then, you know. Yeah, yeah, which we, I mean, we can still do stuff like that, but I think the streams, I mean, that's kind of, like, nice, I won't say lazy, but it's a lot easier content for us to be able to do and knock out, because, I mean, that's basically just we get together, record us. You know, chill and do it, whatever, if we want to, like, do something with viewers or just play with each other. That we just, you know, kind of crop it and slap it up. It doesn't really require much editing. Yeah, for sure. We can probably turn it to, like, a community game night or something, too, maybe. Yeah. We'll see what we can workshop. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, we can workshop it more. But, yeah, pretty fun stream. Uh, we're definitely looking to do more like it. Um... It'll probably be like mostly PTCG live, but I think we could probably get on TCG one and try to do some online retro. It's not as smooth, right? Because it's not like an automated thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think for the most part, unless something crazy is going on, you can always expect them to be Pokemon themed at the very least. Yeah, yeah. I, I won't roll us out getting on uh, the games at some point or VGC or something or even just doing raids because I can I can see that happening. Yeah, I mean, you know, Pokemon adjacent, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least on the main channel. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, definitely look forward to more stuff like that. And, uh, I mean, besides that, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it on the last podcast, but I built the Digimon deck, like an actual Digimon deck. So, that's almost all the way here. I'm waiting on about six cards. Pretty excited to get that in. I love building new decks. It's just like there's like something there's like something to be said about like being like all right I'm gonna build this deck and then you just get all the cards for it and then like it's finally done 
and all sleeved up, and you're just like, yes, now it's oh, definitely. time. Yeah, it's just exciting for an e-card game, uh, and I know we've talked about it a fair bit, but I- I've been enjoying playing Digimon and learning that game, so it's kind of a nice, like, breaker after, like, you play Pokemon for a couple hours, play a couple games of Digimon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that is that has kind of been what all of our Hangout sessions have been. It's like, play Pokemon for a few hours and then cap it off with a few games of Digimon. Definitely. Pretty fun so, times, I mean, pretty fun times. I'm excited about that. I know you're excited. We got a, about yeah. a month or so yeah, before hold, you I'm, get there. I'm holding out. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But, uh, I mean, it's pretty sick. I've been having fun. Uh, been enjoying, like, get, kind of getting into the game just more again. I bought two booster boxes while we were hanging out. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in true me fashion, I got good pulls, but nothing I wanted. So, you know, it's I couldn't a, really be upset, but like, it's like I was a still a little salty. Yeah. 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 The best pull of my night ended up being the free packs. Uh, me and Phelan went to a local card shop and they have a thing where if you just go there and play, you get a couple of free packs. My free pack was my best pull, in my opinion. I got the gold counter catcher. Such a gorgeous card. I usually don't like those, like, over-the-top gold item cards. But I think, like, the blue swirls on the counter catcher still being there in the gold. So good. It's so good. Yeah, definitely looks good. Definitely. But, uh, well, I think that kind of wraps it up for me. What What have you been up to? It's been a pretty low-key uh, past two weeks for me. I uh, kind of just decided to take a small break uh, from the game. You know, I've been doing a lot of, like, Paradox Rift testing uh, for the last several weeks. And it's been, like, a bunch of highs, a bunch of lows. Like, being like, oh, okay, wait, you know, this deck I really like is good. And then, you know, d- developments in the metagame come around and suddenly it's not as strong. And then it's just, like, trying to find a deck. And I go... Th- Admittedly, regardless of whether or not the format is healthy or not, I go through this every time a new set releases, so <laughs> it just kind of is what it is. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of just got burnt out to a point. I was just like, dude, why does everything I play like just feel not good? Um, and I like the the tipping point was I went, I, tra- I traveled like two, two and a half hours to a League Cup uh, just to go 1-4. And that one win was the bye. And I was just uh-huh. like, I was just like, okay, I need a break. This is like, nothing's working. I need, I just need to step back. So haven't been uh, going to locals, haven't been going to league challenges, league cups since then. Uh, just kind of taking it easy. I play a few games on live here and there. Uh, you know, whenever like an idea pops in my head, but I've not been going like too crazy on it. Um, but you know, now that we're recording this episode, this weekend, uh, there's another League Cup coming up, and it's like five minutes away from where I live, so I'm uh, going to go play in that, I'm going to kind of try to ease myself back into the game and just try to have some fun with it, even though, I mean, we you know, we touched on it a little bit already. Currently not the biggest fan of standard format at the moment. It's not terrible, but I certainly preferred the 151 format for sure. Um... But yeah, we're, I'm just going to roll with the punches, just see how it goes. Uh, other than that, I, you know, I went to go see some family for Thanksgiving. Uh, drove five hours, uh, you know, spent spent a couple days with some family. That was nice, uh, especially because I hadn't seen them 
I don't know how long at this point. It's been a few years, but it's always it's always good to catch up with the extended family and uh, you know just kind of enjoy some time together. So that was nice. Uh, but now it is, you know, I'm back home and it's just it's just gonna be business as usual <laughs> <laughs> up until next year, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, pretty low key few weeks for me. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, nothing wrong at all, especially this time of year. Ugh, all the hustle and bustle. All the cold. I hate the cold. <laughs> I know. It's that point of year where I like have to set my alarm like 15, 20 minutes earlier than usual just so I can wake up, look out my window, and see if I need to like turn my car on. Oh, that's I, I, that's honestly like one of the worst things. I already hate getting up early as it is. Yeah. Like, like I like I like I wake up at like seven in the morning usually to go to work, and that doesn't sound too bad, I'm sure. But like for me, that's just like, oh my god. <laughs> I know, I know. It's the worst when like you're running the clock and you walk outside. You're like, shoot, my car's got a defrost. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you're like, come on, come on, you know. Dude, I've had. Well, I mean, that's why I bought a scraper and I keep it in the back seat because I know sometimes I just let the alarms ring, and I wake up a little bit later than I should. And I get yeah. outside and I'm like, yep, well, I need to go, like, right now. So open the car, get the scraper, turn on the heat. Yep, scrape, scrape. <laughs> yep. Get yourself a decent enough seeing window, then you uh, <laughs> let it ride. Yeah, hit the road. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only other thing I actually want to mention before we get started properly. Um, I'm, I'm sure some of y'all, if y'all are on Twitter, have probably seen uh, quite a few people tweeting about, like, these new sleeves that are around uh these procyon perfect fit sentinel sleeves Mm -hmm. i've heard a lot of good things about these sleeves they've been like really hard to get this is like a i don't know if it's like a startup or what but like i don't know they just got like really popular out of nowhere and they restock and then like every restock they're out of they're out in like 10 minutes um so on their last restock of the year managed to nab me some sleeves and I sleeved up a deck in them, and I gotta say, these feel nice. Like, I know Dragon Shield has kind of had their their problems, especially yeah. since the pandemic. Like, the quality control has just gone, like, down the drain. But, like, for the most part, they're still pretty good sleeves. Like, it's kind of funny. I found a few colors that are just always bad no matter what. Um, but there are a few colors that are also, like, generally pretty good no matter what so i just stay within those colors and it's fine but even then right like a lot of mass shuffling between like locals challenges cups like i'm usually like ripping us like two to four maybe even five sleeves a week if i'm like hitting every tournament of the week right mm-hmm. um these like these the oh my goodness these shuffles so nice like I don't know. I I have mass shuffled these several times. I've been doing it the entire time we've been on the microphone here. And you know when you mass shuffle dragon shields, like sometimes they get caught on each other, and then you kind of have to like give it a little wiggle to, you know, get it loose, and then it mashes just fine. Mm-hmm. This has not done that. I've been sitting here mass shuffling the entire time, and it has not got caught on any other sleeve. Now they these are brand new, so maybe that's just part of it, but. Like, there's just been no catch, no snag. It just slides right in, 
falls right down and then it's just ah oh, it feels so good so if you can get yourself and this is not sponsored by the way if you can get yourself some of these procyon sleeves you definitely should they're not restocking until next year uh so that that's unfortunate i guess but if, if you can get yourself some of these sleeves these are pretty good and if i can't i mean we'll see i'm probably going to use these at the league cup uh and if they make it the whole way without getting like crazy damaged, split, dirty, or anything like that, these are definitely going to become my new go-to sleeves because these are amazing. I just wanted to get that. I know a lot of people have been talking about these. I'll have to try some out. Yeah. I got. I mean, like I said, I got a deck in them. If you can't, because like I said, they don't restock till 2024, so if we can't get them, you know, before then or whatever, you know, you can you can just like play this deck real quick or just try these sleeves out. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, this is amazing. <laughs> Whoa. I'm also like a mass shuffler. Like I, I got a friend that's like a hardcore riffle shuffler, and uh, they do not yeah. seem as as good for riffle shuffling as dragon shields. But you know, I, I will leave that to the consumer. But okay, just wanted to say that I think now is a good time to start the episode proper with our card of the day. Last time on the last episode, we talked about Mewtwo EX, and that card was an absolute game changer. And uh, this card is very similar in a lot of ways and is infinite, probably infinitely better. So let's talk about it. All right, from black and white to X and Y, Eveltal EX. Like I said, absolute. I, I mean, it's like I said, we talked about Mewtwo. That card was a game changer. And this card it literally does the same thing, but like kind of better. <laughs> a little less, yeah. a little less splashable, but still better. Which is kind of weird to think about, considering how much we hyped up Mewtwo EX in the last episode. Um, so I'll break it down here real quick. We got Eveltal EX, a basic Darkness EX Pokemon, uh, has 170 HP. And its first attack, and the reason this card is so good, Evil Ball, one dark, one colorless, 20 damage, plus 20 more damage for each energy attached to both active Pokemon. That's probably going to sound very familiar, very similar to Mewtwo EX's X-Ball. However, it's a little bit better because Mewtwo EX, uh, its X-Ball was 20 times. This is 20 plus. Uh, meaning that you're always going to be doing 20 more damage than Mewtwo ever was going to. Which is, you know, I mean, we talked about how, obviously, numbers and HP was it was much smaller back then. So a Mewtwo with DTE attached versus a Pokemon with 2 energy, 2 or 3 energy, is dealing like 80 to 100 damage, which is pretty good, right? That's like a very solid 2-shot. You're basically getting mm -hmm. over all the 1-prizers. Um... And now, for the same investment, granted, you need a you need a darkness energy in there now, but essentially, for the same investment, you're now dealing 100 to 120. You know, it's, it's power creep in full effect right there. Yeah. Uh, so, just off the rip, that's pretty insane. And then, for dark and two colorless, you have Y-Cyclone, 90 damage moving energy from this Pokemon to one of your benched Pokemon. Uh, you didn't see this as much as you saw Evil Ball, but on occasion was pretty handy if, you know, you were attacking with a damaged Eveltal EX. Didn't need to go quite 
uh, heavy on the numbers with Evil Ball, you could instead Y Cyclone and preserve an energy for another Eveltal or a, you know a different Pokemon uh, like Darkrai EX in the time when this was uh, legal, or Darkrai EX from the X and Y <laughs> era, uh, which really liked having energy in play. So, uh, yeah, it, like I said, if you listen to our episode last uh, or the the last episode where we talked about Mewtwo EX, I, I, I think it's pretty clear to see why this card is just so good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think it's fairly obvious. I mean, it's, it's a good card, and I mean, it looked insanely cool, especially the artwork you have here. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it saw its fair share of uh, different prints. Uh, the one I have chosen for us specifically today is the uh, X and Y promo. 150 alternate art which came in this like massive collector's box you got this golden frame it's fe- it's like a full art it's featuring eveltal and xerneas on the card uh his artwork is sick this is definitely one of the cards of all time for sure uh but yeah so eveltal ex like right when it came out i remember well, it was kind of funny because you know you and i got into pokemon or the the tcg uh, around the release of base set X and Y. And it's kind of funny. Um, you know, I was playing like the Xerneas Aromatis deck, which unbeknownst to me at the time was like tier three at best. Not particularly great, but Eveltal just like immediately took over the metagame. Again, unbeknownst to me, because I just, I just didn't know anything about it at the time. But um I just remember it was kind of funny because, like, I played the Xerneas deck and my brother was kind of getting into the game with it around the same time after you and I had played it for a couple months. Uh, so he he naturally went the opposite and was like, okay, well, I'm going to I'm gonna build around a Veltal. Uh, you know, because I played Pokemon X, he played Pokemon Y. It, it was just kind of a whole thing. It was pretty funny, actually. Um, and I remember thinking, I was just like, Man, this thing hits like a truck. Like I've got to like intentionally like keep some energy, you know, off or down or something. Right? Like I I've got to reduce this thing's damage output because this thing is hitting me like a truck. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I feel that. So yeah, good times with Eveltal EX. Um, not really too much else to say about it. Uh, like I said, it, it treads a lot of the same ground that Mewtwo EX co- uh, did. Uh, and, you know, of course we covered that in the last episode. But that was also kind of intentional, just to kind of, like, show off a little bit of uh, power creep in the two cards. Uh, it, it, you know, it, that kind of stuff has always interested me. Uh, when you can, like, visibly see the power creep in motion. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that was partially done intentionally. Um, I think the only other thing to say about it is that, you know, since Eveltal's part flying type in the video games, it has a lightning weakness and a fighting resistance. Um, so unlike Mewtwo, you know, they didn't make the same mistake where, uh, you know, making Eveltal weak to darkness, even though that obviously that wouldn't make sense. But, you know, that was kind of one of the problems with Mewtwo is that Mewtwo was so good, it was weak to psychic and it was splashable. So the best way to deal with a Mewtwo was to just play your own Mewtwo. Uh, so thankfully mm-hmm. they did not uh, tread the same mistake here <laughs> uh, with Eveltal. And I feel like they almost like did this intentionally just so like like they could just prevent Mewtwo wars in general. Like I think by the time we got to X and Y, like 
you know, the, the, the later power creep of, like, the plasma cards and black and white were enough to, like, tone down Mewtwo a little bit to where it wasn't Mewtwo Wars. Like, you didn't have to play a Mewtwo to beat it. But that was still a really, like, a really popular thing to do. It's just, like, do I got some free space? Throw in a Mewtwo. It'll help me deal with other Mewtwos. And, you know, that was kind of a thing. Yeah. But, like, now you have Veltal. You're not hitting Mewtwo for weakness, but you're dealing more damage than Mewtwo on average. So, you know, it may still be the same attacks, but now it's not like, okay, now it's not like Mewtwo Wars. Now at least it's different Pokemon in play. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just talking hot air, but I don't know. This is just kind of the, the kind of things that make you think sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. But I think that's going to do it for our card of the day, Eveltal EX, uh, technically from base set X and Y. Let us know what you think. Do you have uh, any memories of this card? Did you play it back when it first came out uh, with uh, the Darkrai EX from the Black and White era? Or did you pick it up later after it got the One Prize Eveltal, Eveltal Break, the Dark Pulse Darkrai EX from uh, the X and Y series? Honestly, this card was just so good for like the entire time. I mean, like no surprise. It's, it's Power Crep Mewtwo EX, so it makes sense. But uh, Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a cool card. It's like... A- cool collector's item you know it's just one of those cards that's cool all around yeah for sure for sure and an absolute staple of x and y i'm sure people i, th- I think a lot of people would probably say if it isn't night march then it's like eveltal garb is like probably the best deck in x and y if if you don't think it's night march um so yeah i mean this card has definitely left its imprint on the competitive scene for sure and, for sure, uh, might have to get me a few copies and start building some retro decks. I've been wanting to build more uh, X and Y again. I've thought about building this deck for a while now. It's my next uh, X and Y deck. I'm not even gonna lie. And I'm telling you, man, Fright Night Eveltal, Eveltal EX, and then you got Garbotoxin on top of all that. Yeah, Whew. that's uh, that's brutal <laughs> to be honest. Definitely. But yeah, let us know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at DamageCounter, DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. And of course, you can also hit us up in our community Discord as well. Uh, we're getting, getting a little bit more activity in there. You know, talking about uh, Pokemon cards and decks and stuff like that. So if you want to keep bringing the conversation about Eveltal EX over uh, to the Discord, links to that are in the episode description down below. Definitely. And as always, if you have a card you want for us, you you want for us, <laughs> you want us to talk about here on the podcast, uh, feel free to send it our way. Like I always say, the only rule is it has to be an official Pokemon card, but besides that, uh, we'll talk about anything. <laughs> I think we've well proved that by now. Uh, we just want to talk about your favorite cards. Uh, that's one of our favorite parts of the show. It's talking about the card of the day. Taking a little piece out of this giant game's history and uh, dissecting it a little bit. Yeah, always a good time. Lots of cards to talk about, but in the meantime, we're going to be hopping on over to the news segment. And uh, quite a few things going on. Uh, you know, we've had some pretty light news weeks these, uh, this past month, but uh, we got some information about some sets and quite a few tournaments that happened in our absence. So let's go ahead and get into it. <laughs> All right, time for the news. Uh, A few quick stories uh, before we start breaking down some tournaments. We have the uh, full main set of Shiny Treasure EX has been revealed in Japan. 
And, uh, you know, I, I was going to make this our main discussion this week. Uh, I had a feeling that we would be getting the set revealed. And I was right on that front. However, I was not expecting as many reprints um, <laughs> as, as, there, as there are in this set. Uh, of course, we covered some of the translations uh, in the last episode. Uh, however, the only new card that had yet to, been, yet to be revealed at that point uh, is the only new card we have to talk about. The rest of it is reprints or the cards we've already talked about. So, uh, not a whole lot going on here, but we do have Espathra EX. It is a Terra Shifted EX Pokemon. So, stage one, grass type, 260 HP. Has the ability Dazzling, Gla uh, Dazzling Gaze. As long as this Pokemon is in the active spot, attacks used by your opponent's active Pokemon cost colorless more. And then for one Psychic Energy, has the attack Psyball, 30 plus damage. This attack does 30 more damage for each energy attached to both active Pokemon. That sounds really familiar. Yeah, it sounds pretty familiar. I, honestly, that was not planned. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it, to be honest. Uh-huh. Uh... -huh. uh you know what, since I was talking about how much I like to see, or like how much, how interesting it is to see power creep in the game, uh, here's another example. We're, we are now at 30 plus for this kind of attack. Yeah. Um, technically, there was like another instance of power creep with Mew V uh, from Darkness Ablaze. It had X-Ball at 30 times. So, I mean, you know, there's the little stepping stones there. Um on the flip side of that, HP has also been power crept like crazy, and 30 plus, I'm not sure if it's just going to do it, man, you know? I mean, you have the ability there helping you out. You can play things like the uh, Pokemon League headquarters uh, that will, you know, force your opponent to attach uh, an additional energy. So between that and the ability your opponent needs, uh, your opponent's basic Pokemon will need two extra energy to attack, right? So... You know, you attach one, you're dealing 60, your opponent attaches three, that's like, what, that's like, what, 180, right? I, I, I don't know, yeah, I just don't think it's enough, like, I'm gonna be honest. It, it's definitely not bad, I don't think, and I'm sure we'll see some interesting decks, but like, I, I'm just gonna compare it to Gardevoir, it's like, why would I want to worry about my active and my opponent's active opponent's energy when I can just play Gardevoir and you like stack my yeah. team with energy and go, Brr, you know what I mean? Like that, that's my thing. There is just like I don't think this is bad, but like you said, it's that power creep. I just even compared it to more decks that have abilities similar to this. I don't know. It's just uh, I don't think it's good enough. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Especially oh. because, sorry, but like, especially because most energy, honestly, most energy attacks in this meta are pretty energy efficient. You know what I mean? Like, it's two for a decent for a decent chunk, and three for the majority after that. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? I know you can stack it yourself, but yeah, for sure. And the, I mean that, that that's kind of the big thing, right? Is that like the HP numbers are just so big. Even with the ability helping you out, like, it's really just not going to be enough most of the time. And the only time, I think, like, the only deck where you have to worry about your opponent, like, placing a ton of energy on themselves just to be able to attack are things like Gardevoir, things like Chen Pao. Gardevoir doesn't really matter as much because all you need to do is 20 damage to a one prizer and you got the knockout. So that, yeah. all that energy doesn't matter. 
And then with Chen Pao, all the energy is going to get discarded anyway, so it doesn't mean anything to them. Uh, yeah, I just don't think the one cost more even is enough to make a dent to make it worth it. You know, even as like trying to something to be the defensive side, it's just I still don't think it's that big of a deal, and it's only like what a guaranteed thirty plus more damage. Yeah. Yeah, I well, I think it could be like annoying for like things like Roaring Moon, things like Maridon, probably maybe Charizard could could like have that extra annoyance of needing that extra energy. Uh, it's kind of hard to say, um, but yeah, I, I just don't think it's all there. Uh, that I don't know. Said, maybe maybe if it was a basic, I think that would make it a lot more viable. Honestly, uh, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, be, yeah, being a basic is just so good in general. Because um, stage ones, like, stage ones are definitely good, right? Like, they they work very well with, like, the technical machine evolution package. So yeah. you have a pretty solid, like, like, like a really consistent turn one going second, Arvin for VIP pass and technical machine. Get your stage ones into play so they're not, like, these one prizers that are very vulnerable in the early game, which is pretty handy. You got Rigid Band, which is going to allow you to take 30 less damage from attacks. You've got uh, Training Studio, which says your Stage 1s deal 10 extra damage as long as that stadium's in play. So there's some tricks here, but I just I just don't think it's anything crazy. Like We're seeing like all these one-shot decks in the format right now, and 260 is so squishy Like just with everything we have in the format right now. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a tough sell when you're like squishy... And you're not dealing the craziest amount of damage in the world. It's it's kind of a tough sell. Now that being said, it is a grass type, which is important, right? Like we don't, and this is the thing, right? Like grass type would be such a good type right now if there were good grass type Pokemon. And that's like the thing, right? Like, because you have Charizard EX, Charizard's weak to grass, uh, Roaring Moon, Roaring Moon being weak to grass, is pretty good, um, and th those are like, those are like two meta relevant decks that like you would want to target with a grass type Pokemon, right? Yeah. Um. So I, you know, I think a Spothra would be good for that, but then it's like, it's good into those, not into anything else. Uh, so then it's like. Okay, well, it as a deck doesn't really leave rogue status because of that. And then if you play it as a tech card, I don't know, it's a little wonky because it's a stage one and it requires a psychic energy, right? So you could probably use it as a tech card in, like, maybe Guard of War or really anything that plays psychic energy, right? You could probably use it as a tech card against Roaring Moon and Charizard, but it just kind of limits it, right, from being, like, the the answer or the tech card for those for those matchups if your deck struggles against it, right? So it's a little weird. It's a cool card, for sure. And I definitely like the idea of pairing it alongside the one prize, the Spothra, that came out in Paradox Rift, uh, that says when you evolve into it, it is immune from all damage and effects until your next turn. Um, so I think there could be some really fun rogue shenanigans with this card, but it's probably not going to leave much of a mark in the competitive scene, at least not immediately. Definitely, I agree. I mean, th there always is down the line something else that could come out that complements it really well, and, uh, you know, it just propels it. We'll just have to wait and see. Wait and see, indeed. 
And speaking of things coming later on down the line, uh, this is a little weird, but we have official confirmation of our set releasing in March. That set being Temporal Forces. And I say this is weird because the set itself has been announced, but we don't have like the logo. We don't have any promotional material. We don't know. We really don't know anything about it. We just know that it is called Temporal Forces and it will be releasing on March 22nd. Uh, normally, I try, like, I kind of, like, because there's, like, not too much to really dissect and talk about with these kinds of announcements, generally we don't talk about them until we have more information. I've made an exception this time to bring this on to the new segment because rotation is coming up. And the way Pokemon's been doing things for years now is that they, you know, they have a yearly rotation, you get four sets, and then you come around to the same point next year, boom, there's a rotation. So, uh, that being said, our next set uh, is, okay, it's technically not confirmed, but it there's a very high probability of this happening. Once this set releases, the set will release around the same time rotation is happening. So... What that means, the set comes out on March 22nd. Two weeks later, it will be legal for tournament play. That's April 5th. April 5th is also the same weekend as the European International Championships, which, if you remember last year, uh, EUIC, Scarlet and Violet's Legality, and Rotation all happened on the same weekend. So I'm thinking they're going to try to pull the same thing here. Uh, so it is highly likely that we will rotate out the e-block on April 5th. Not technically confirmed, but I I would almost bet my entire year's salary on this information or on this speculation of mine being correct. Yeah, it's very likely. Yeah, just just given like how you know, how they do the releases, how they do the regulation marks. Uh again, you know, we have official confirmation of this set being a thing, right? Like that just is what it is. Um, but if you need more official word for rotation, I'm sure it'll be coming down the pipeline soon enough. Um, but yeah, Temporal Forces set to release on March 22nd. That puts pre-releases at March 9th to March 17th. And I had kind of feared that like this is kind of the timeline that we were going to be on. If you remember the last rotation, we were like in the Silver Tempest format for like six months. And that was, uh, that was a brutal six months. <laughs> yeah yeah um, and we're kind of in the same situation here uh you know the format's at least a little bit more agreeable this time around i i would say um but uh yeah you know it's just one of those things where it's like you know rotation's coming up soon you know the next set marks it he's just like praying that it isn't until april that way we can get rid of mew we can get rid of battle <laughs> vip pass we can get rid of just all these different things, uh, and then they're like, "Nope, you, you gotta wait till April again." I'm like, "Oh my god, bro!" <laughs> we'll never be rid of them. Um, yeah, no. How no, crazy if, would it be if they reprinted Vip? I, I, I don't want to live in that reality. <laughs> Please do not speak that into existence. Oh, oh that would be insane. Either way, uh, we'll have more information on the set soon enough. Uh, this is going to be comprised of Japan's Wild Force, Cyber Judge, and Crimson Haze sets, which we don't—we've not seen any cards from any of those three sets yet. So, 
Uh, it's certainly going to be some time, but uh, sure enough, probably not too far into January, uh, we should start seeing cards from those sets. So stay tuned. Obviously, you know we'll be here to break them down and kind of kind of give our thoughts on those cards. Remember, A specs are going to be coming back in uh, Temporal Forces. So hang tight, hang tight. It's going to be a wild set, I'm sure. Now, with all that out of the way, it's time to talk about some tournaments. I've had a lot of tournaments happen uh, over the past two weeks. Of course, most notably, uh, the Latin America International Championships, uh, our first international championships of the 2024 season. 1,263 players, and also the first major event with Paradox Rift Legal. Uh, so, pretty big tournament. We'll definitely be breaking some stuff down here. Also had the Philippines Regional League and some regional championships happening in Brisbane and Gdansk uh, over this past weekend. So uh, we'll break these uh, break things down. We'll start with LAIC, uh, your top eight from eighth to first. Jeremy Gibson with Gardevoir, uh, seventh place. Kaido Arai with Snorlax Stall, sixth place. Matthew Burris on Gardevoir, fifth place. Brennan Camberman with Sablezard, fourth place. Gabriel Veloso. With Giratina Lawson Box. Third place, Karen Farah with Gardevoir. Second place, surprising everybody, myself included, Noah Sawyer with uh, Entei Iron Valiant. And then uh, first place, taking it all home, Yuho Kalama with Miraidon Flaffy. You know, we had Consta Kalama winning, uh, winning a regional this season, and his brother showed up to LAIC and said, hang on, now it's time for my win. <laughs> the Kalama <laughs> brother's showing up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I gotta say I was not expecting Maridon to win I, I, I gotta be honest this was uh, not on my bingo card definitely a good deck uh, I have uh, been yeah uh, I think I think we've made our, made our opinions of it pretty clear like we both have acknowledged that it's a good deck but neither one of us I think have really had it on our radar for quite a while yeah I mean it's a deck that's like you know, there was like a lot of Maridon haters up until this win. Like, you know, it, it uh, had just insane showings at Pittsburgh, at Peoria, it won Toronto regionals. Um, you know, and even up till then, people were just calling the deck mid and weren't believing in it. Uh, you know, after the World Championships, I was convinced uh, Maridon was a was a solid deck, was a was a top competitor for sure. Um, but even you know, even me not being a Maridon hater, just was not expecting it to see uh, first place. But when you kind of look at how things break down, it kind of makes sense. Uh, the most popular decks in the room were like Gardevoir and Charizard. And Maridon has Iron Hands now, right? Iron Hands, very strong card. Uh, one Lightning, three Colorless, Ampy very much. 120 damage, and if you take a knockout with that attack, you get to take an extra prize card, uh, which is pretty good against these evolving decks. Uh, I think... You know, in the past, Maridon has had, you know, not uh, just not a good matchup into uh, into things like Gardevoir, right? Like it just it, it just it, it got traded too aggressively for it to yeah. be able to do anything in that matchup. But you know, you get Iron Hands out pretty fast, and we saw it a few times, not just with Yuho, but uh, even the uh, the senior champion. Uh, Gabriel Fernandez, uh, he was also playing Maridon, had like a turbo hands kind of approach. 
I mean, you go second, you get that turn one amp you very much, especially against Gardevoir at this time. Because uh, at LAIC, a lot of Gardevoir players are actually cutting Battle VIP pass and uh, taking a bit of a slower approach, which made Iron Hands even better, you know, because now <laughs> they're not able to respond as quickly. So you can uh, get a lot of prizes really fast uh, with Ampy very much. So when you kind of look at it all like that, like it kind of makes sense that right on just yeah, had definitely. the event that it did. Yeah, yeah, no, I have to agree. I think Iron Hands finally gave uh, Maridon that, like, win con that it was missing, you know what I mean? Like, like we were saying, Maridon's always been a good deck, but, uh, I mean, it was never, it just really never had anything too crazy. I know, like, Pokemon to this day and age, honestly, usually every deck has one card that's kind of their, like, crazy win con that you're going for mainly. I, I truly don't feel like Maridon ever really had that, you know what I mean? Like, they had some good options, but, like, in, in, like, ways of actual win cons, they just didn't have anything very good. Yeah, it was definitely very weak against one-prizers, right? Because you had the Maridon, super good at KOing basic Pokemon EX and V, but that's about all that it could do. If you needed to hit something bigger, you had to, you know, power up a Raichu and take a big, massive KO. Yeah. As far as one prizers go, I mean, your you know your bench is always full of things like Maridon and Flaffies and Raikou uh, and uh, the Raichu. You know, there's just there there just weren't like any good ways for Maridon players to like deal with one prizers until we got Iron Hands. I suppose yeah. you could make an argument for Zapdos EX, I guess, which was pretty popular in Japan when it first came out, but never really caught on over here. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah I, Iron Hands like really was that missing piece for the deck. I think. Yeah, like you said, it it just finally gives them something to compete, especially against those evolution decks. Uh, I mean, it's just it really has just kind of been a weird split. I think in the format right now between our kind of like lingering V Maxes with the V Stars and the EXs, it it's kind it's kind of weird the coverage you need right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's like all these weird numbers that you gotta hit, and then you have yeah, because it's like V stars, V maxes are just like so different from like evolving EXs, right? So now it's just like everything's on the field, right? You got you've got bulky two prize Pokemon, you've got these massive towering three prize Pokemon, but you've also got the little guys, right? So <laughs> it's just all kinds of stuff going on right now. Definitely, definitely. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, I mean, a pretty crazy tournament, honestly. I think uh, if you take away Miradon kind of taking the whole thing, uh, the lineup's still a little crazy, to be honestly. I mean, Lost Box being five, Lost uh, Giratina being fourth, Iron Valiant taking second. Like, I don't, the whole top eight is a little surprising, to be honestly. Yeah, for sure. Um,. Well, definitely with Entei Iron Valiant, um, as somebody that tested uh, a good number of Valiant variants uh, a few weeks before LAIC, I had noticed the power of the archetype, but I wasn't like thoroughly convinced. Um, the Entei variant is is the best one by a long shot. Oh, for sure, by yeah. far, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, we know that now, obviously, because of Noah Sawyer's second place finish, but... Even before LAIC, I was like, okay, the Entei variant is, like, the best by far. But 
even like even having recognized that, I was just not convinced. I was just like, I I just don't think Valiant's it, man. Like, you know, you play a research, and if you don't find another supporter, you're in top deck mode, and it just like this just kind of hurts, man. And then with a deck like that, you get hit with like late game Ionos or anything like that. You get hit with Path. It's just like the deck comes to a screeching halt, mm-hmm. and it can be really difficult to like come back from that kind of stuff. Definitely. So I was convinced, not it, but uh, Noah Sawyer proving me wrong. And again, I think it comes back to the whole meta share thing. Uh, it's kind of weird. Like the community was like, "Oh, Iron Hands is broken," and then we got closer to the set coming out, and like, "Oh, Iron Valiant's broken," and then the set came out, and I was like, "Oh, Roaring Moon's broken," and then we got to LAIC, and everybody's like, "No, Gardevoir's still the best deck in format." So it was like. <laughs> It was like following these massive hype waves, and you had to be like, okay, well, which one is the community actually going to play at LAIC? And, uh, I mean, you know, Noah reading it correctly, uh, you know, Gardevoir and uh, Charizard everywhere, uh, and Valiant just eats those decks alive, right? Uh, Definitely. If if your deck has a stage two in it, Valiant is going to eat your deck alive. It's not necessarily like an auto-loss in some situations, I think for like, yeah, but if if you don't get a line like pretty much immediately and just get going, you're oh, you're yeah. in a pretty tough spot. Like oh, yeah. you, you you have to land your turn one hand pretty much if you're gonna be able to compete against that deck. I mean, you can still get out of it, but like if Iron Valiant gets online and you're an evolution deck, it's hard. Oh yeah, it's it's rough. Um, I think in my personal experience, I think Charizard probably has the easiest time in the matchup because. You know, when, once you get a Charizard EX set, I mean, Charizard is just so big. Uh, it, it can be a little difficult for them to chew through that. Um, not to mention Charizard can afford the bench space to, uh, you know, play things like Jirachi a little bit more comfortably. Um, so I, th- I think Charizard has like an okay Valiant matchup. It's not great, but it's okay. But Gardevoir and Chen Pao, ooh, that's rough. Right, because you're damaging your own Pokemon in Gardevoir, right? So they get the return KO with a Tachyon bits. If if you manage to even get set up in the first place, is the thing. Um, and then Chen Pao, I mean, rest in peace. That that matchup is almost... <laughs> I, I'm serious, that matchup is almost unwinnable for Chen Pao. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, like, definitely. Like, those Frigibacks do not stand a chance. Um... But yeah, we're not going to break down the list too much as we are going to be covering Noah's list in our 60-card showcase, so stay tuned for that. Um, but I think another factor, and again, I mean, same thing goes for Maridon. I think another factor why like Valiant was able to do so well is, you know, again, Gardevoir was the most popular deck in the room, but not only that, the Gardevoir players were also, again, shifting... like they're, They were shifting away from the Battle VIP pass, right? Like, they were leaning more on Mirage Step. Uh, and we saw this kind of leading up in some online tournaments. There were a lot of successful Gardevoir lists doing that. Luke Morsa, uh, Celio's Network, won a huge online tournament with a list, with a Guardi list that didn't have Battle VIP pass. Instead, leaned uh, heavier into the Mirage step, and then having more tech cards to make the uh, avery Screamtail combo more consistent and more devastating. Really cool list. I've played Gardevoir, like that Gardevoir list. I like it a lot, but... I think, you know, now that we know that Entei Valiant, or just Iron Valiant in general, is like a known thing in the meta. Like, it's proven that it's like actually insane. Um, you probably need to keep the battle VIP passes in. Uh, I mean, I guess you can make the meta call if you think Iron Valiant isn't, 
you know, going to be popular at an event, you can go for the no VIP list. But, you know, if you're scared of Valiant at all, keep the VIP passes in. Personally, I think it's just worth running the VIP passes. Like, it's not like VIP passes bad card in the first place. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It, and it does help out with other matchups, too. It's, uh, I think it's worth just doing because, I mean, it helps you get online an early game in any matchup, and it's it really does make matchups like Iron Valiant or even like Mirrodon a lot easier to handle. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, nothing else, I, I guess, too much to talk about outside of the outside of the top eight here. Uh, well, I will say, Brendan Cameron's Sablesard deck is actually pretty sick. Um. I think a, a small portion of the community was starting to figure out that uh, Sablezard was like actually kind of an insane deck this format, mostly because of Radiant Charizard. I think like Radiant Charizard is genuinely one of the best cards in the game right now. Yeah, I, I feel like that's funny to me because I feel like we've been hyping up Sablezard for quite a while. Oh, you and I, you and I have been big Sablezard stands. I mean, this <laughs> this deck is nuts. Um, oh, for sure. But I, yeah, I think now more than ever, um, you, you know, Brennan. Brennan's been playing Lost Zone for such a long time. I mean, he's he's very uh, well established with the archetype. But you know, just taking Sablezard, uh, throwing in Roaring Moon EX to deal with the bigger things that this deck can't deal with. It's such a small thing, but when I saw it, I was like, "Wait, how has nobody thought of this yet? <laughs> like, like this is genius." And of course, you have the counter catchers on top of that broken card. Broken. Love that card. Uh, but yeah, only other thing to mention, I think, is uh, Snorlax Stall sneaking into top eight, you know. I mean, the deck got a huge buff with Countercatcher. Uh, you know, you're behind on prize cards. You get to gust anything with an item card. And uh, this deck never takes prize cards. So, uh, you know, especially once we uh, get to talking about Brisbane and Gdansk, uh, y'all might want to consider teching for Snorlax now because this is a real thing. <laughs> Uh, now, before we move on to the next few tournaments, uh, just, you know, one last little thing I want to talk about. Uh, Roaring Moon just kind of fell off the face of the earth, you know. It was a hyped-up deck. A lot of people were seeing just how powerful it was, and it definitely had the majority of the conversation before LAIC. Um, did not have a great tournament run. Uh, it was, I think, like the fourth or fifth most popular deck and then, uh, you know, only scraping by with a top 128 placement, 90th Pedro Bandiera being the highest placing Roaring Moon. Um, I don't know. It was kind of an interesting interesting roller coaster to see people, like, hype it up and then the deck flop so much. Uh, and I yeah. I, I don't think it's necessary because the deck is bad by any means, uh, but this was just not a great metagame for it. Gardevoir was everywhere. Charizard was everywhere. And Charizard is an okay matchup, I think, but Gardevoir, you just don't. Like, that That matchup is almost unwinnable for Roaring Moon. I mean, that's so difficult for that deck to deal with. Um, I don't know. What do you th what do you, what do you think? You think this is a, you think this is a flop? You think we'll see it, you know, in more regionals coming up? Or do you think this is like a one-and-done? Uh, I pretty much agree. I... I think it wasn't the right metagame for it at all, just at this event, and uh, it might just be, not be the right time for it, and I also think it's just, I mean, I think Roaring Moon is going to be a little more complex than people initially thought. Uh, 
I'm going to say that we just haven't quite figured out the right 60 yet, if you want my honest opinion. Uh, it's still pretty new. I think we need to experiment with it a little more. And I think we'll probably see a meta shift generally a little bit more here in the future. Like you said, we're going to have this format for a little bit here. And I just think right now people are mostly sticking to what they're comfortable with. Like you said, Gardevoir and Charizard are dominating right now. And that's... Uh, I think partially because they are very good decks, I think they're still very good decks, but also just like those are known quantities, especially at this moment. So they're, you know, they're comfort options for people. You know they're going to be good. So I would not write it off just yet. Will it be like this or even Tier 1? Uh, I think I can pretty comfortable saying that it'll probably be a Tier 1 deck, but... Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's quite near that best slot. You know what I mean? I, I definitely think it was overhyped a little bit. Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I pretty much agree with, with everything you said there. You hit the nail on the head, I think. But I, I think the big thing, I, I think the picture that this paints... And I you know, I would like to think that Brisbane and Gdansk kind of further this this thought process of mine. I'll leave that up to you, know, to you and the listeners, but... It's kind of like created like this triangle, right? Where you have, you know, the evolution decks and the one prizers. And then when those are popular, those get beat down by, you know, the evolution killers, things like Iron Valiant, things like Iron Hands. Then the meta becomes more big basic focused. And then Roaring Moon becomes the killer of the big basics. And then once Roaring Moon becomes popular, the evolutions and the one prizers come back to put Roaring Moon in its place. It's gonna gonna. It feels like it's kind of gonna be this triangle. There's gonna be a few outliers that are ever present. That's probably things like Mew, things like Snorlax, uh, you know, things like that. I think are you know get to be ever present. Probably Guardy as well, to be honest, because that deck is just filthy, nasty, broken. Um, but yeah, I, I think more than previous formats we've had this season, like your meta gaming is gonna have to be on point. Uh, you know, to see success at these tournaments. And I mean, there's, I mean, obviously you always need like some, some good amount of metagaming, but I think like now more than yeah, ever. Yeah, no, definitely know? more than ever. It almost feels like, like you were just saying, we're almost in like a rock, paper, scissors kind of format. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, you, you can't cover it all. So you just kind of try to predict or play what you're comfortable with. It's, uh, I don't think, like we said, I don't think it's a bad format, but. I don't know, it's definitely not my favorite right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I'm like I said, I, I, we talked a little bit about it at the beginning of the show, but yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, but a lot of time for the format to be, uh, you know, figured out a little bit more. And again, at least a little bit more enjoyable than Silver Tempest was at first anyway. <laughs> but we got a few tournaments to talk about outside of LAIC. We have the Philippines Regional League. Uh, so we'll break down the top eight here again. Eighth place, John Edward Basilanco on uh, Gardevoir. Seventh place, Jonathan Abjar with Charizard. Sixth place, Charles Esco with Lost Zone Box. Fifth place, Adrian Gerald Akuzar on uh, Charizard EX Lost Zone Box. Christian Sky Mendoza also on Charizard EX Lost Zone. Third place, Adrian Velasco, Gardevoir EX. Second place, David John Del Rosario. Uh, with Lost Zone Box and first place, Lawrence Matthew Tech with Charizard EX. Uh, now, I'm not familiar with the tournament structure down in the Philippines. Uh, I think 
I, I believe they're separate from our circuit, so I don't know if they play like best of one or best of three down or really how any of this works, but you know, got to give shout outs to anybody that makes top eight at any of these uh, major events. 197 players, not as big as our regionals, but uh, you know, top eight out of nearly 200 players, that's, <laughs> that's still an accomplishment, right? So there's definitely some interesting decks coming out of this. Uh, if we look at the first place Charizard list, it's kind of interesting. It's got Delphox V in it. And this was kind of something we saw in like early Charizard decks when Obsidian Flames came out, when people like weren't really sure how to build the deck. Delphox V with that magical fire attack. Two fire, one colorless, 120 damage to the active, and 120 damage to one of your opponent's benched Pokemon, provided that you lost zone two energy attached to the Delphox. Um, pretty good, uh, enclosed decklist environments like these major events, uh, cause nobody is expecting any bench sniping coming from Charizard these days. Uh, so nobody's going to go out of their way to find their mana fee and bench it. And, you know, again, we were talking about Gardevoir players coming away from the battle VIP pass, uh, cause this was the same weekend as LAIC. You know, we talked about Gardevoir players kind of coming away from that, and we see that with uh, the 8th place list. Uh, you know, that makes these bench sniping attacks a little bit more detrimental, you know, to, to kind of have to go through. Could lead to some donks uh, and stuff of that nature, so pretty funny in uh, closed deck list environments, uh, especially best of one. If it's best of one, that's just like you could probably win right there on the spot. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. That, and I like Delphox. That's, that's a cool Pokemon, so I want to shout it out. But uh, outside of that, not anything uh, too much else to mention. I do like the 6th place Lost Zone box. Uh, <laughs> implementing the 1 of Iron Hands and the 1-1 one, one Alolan Vulpix V-Star. Um, you know, that's a, that's a lot of Guardy hate <laughs> happening right Definitely. there. But I mean, you know, it makes sense, right? You Iron Hands is good in the mirror. Uh, so if you play against other Lost Zone decks, you're, you know, you can... Take prizes much more aggressively, good into the evolving decks. And then Alolan Vulpix V, uh, I mean, just absolutely shuts Guardi out of the game. And a lot of situations can also shut Charizard out of the game. Uh, so just a pretty good card all around. They have a little bit more tools to, to work around it these days, uh, but definitely still a card worth considering. And then uh, two Lost Zone Charizard EX. Uh, I remember we saw this get top four at the Barcelona special event uh, not too long after 151 had come out. Uh, but a lot of people have kind of written off this archetype as just being generally less consistent than other Charizard variants. Um, you know, just kind of be like, well, if I'm playing Lasso, and then like, why don't I just play Giratina or, you know, Lasso and Box or something and just kind of have a better deck. Um, but no, uh, you know, people out here have proven that the archetype still has some legs to stand on. Uh, no, definitely, I agree. But, uh, yep, I don't really have uh, too much to say about that. We did see a bit of a better performance for Roaring Moon at this event, landing the top 16, so shout-outs. Uh, shout-outs to that, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, I think unless you've got anything else to say, we can uh, go ahead and move on to Brisbane. Now, happening this past weekend, we had Brisbane Regionals. Uh, the Australian regionals are always fun to follow because Australia has like some really strong players, but it's also kind of annoying because we almost never get anything outside of their top eight. Like that's like all yeah. we get from these. 
uh, despite the fact that there's 388 players and an entire day two, we only ever get the top eight, which is unfortunate, but here we are, Brisbane Regionals. Eighth place, Gabriel Smart uh, playing Gardevoir. Seventh place, James Williams on that Snorlax stall. Sixth place, Samantha Turner, also on Snorlax stall. Fifth place, Calvin Connor uh, with Gardevoir. Fourth place, Joshua Sparks with Fusion Mew. Third place, Hayden Matthews on Charizard. Second place, Haru Nishikawa with Charizard. And taking it all home, Harry Shalcress with Gardevoir. Now, Harry is uh, actually like uh, like an online grinder. He's like always playing online tournaments. If you're playing an online tournament and you see the name a pack of alpacas, uh, that is Harry. And, uh, you know, it's definitely cool to see one of these online grinders win a regional. It's nice to see that that kind of transfers over. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so pretty cool stuff there. Um, I will say I really like uh, Harry's uh, Gardevoir list. Uh, not anything like too out of the ordinary, right? Like it's your usual stuff. You got your Guardians, your Scream Tales, the Mew, Battle VIP Pass, you know, all, all the usual stuff. Uh, the one key difference about the list that I really like is the inclusion of a third reversal energy. So usually what we've been seeing is 10 Psychic, 2 Reversal. This has gone to 9 Psychic and 3 Reversal. And I think I've said it several times at this point, Reversal Energy is just a filthy, nasty, broken card. Especially in Guard of War. I mean, good lord, man. Like, allowing... Chilling Rain, Guard of War, to hit for, like, 360 damage. You know, you just attach Reversal, accelerate a bunch of energy to it, and then, you know, you've got a one-prize nuclear bomb that your opponent has <laughs> to do something about. You know, you can't gust around it, right? That's the thing, right? People are like, oh, I take the two prizes so I can win faster. It's like, okay, well, you left, you know, you left the you left the 360 damage Pokemon in play, so, uh, <laughs> you know. yeah. I'm just going to hit you again now. <laughs> yeah, so it can be brutal. Uh, so having that extra out to the reversal energy, I think, is pretty huge. Especially because, like, with the inclusion of, like, all these crazy big basic Pokemon that we've seen come from Paradox Rift, like, games are just faster now, right? And so having that extra out to find that reversal energy when you need it to take those big KOs, I, I think it makes a big deal, to be honest. And, uh... I'm calling it now. I would not be surprised if, you know, by the time we make it to the end of this format, uh, Guardy decks are just playing a full-on playset of Reversal Energy. Like, I would not be surprised to see that at all. Would be kind of crazy. Would be crazy indeed. Uh, but, yeah, outside of that, not too much to say. Uh, actually, I take that back. Haru's Charizard deck. We got some more Charizard innovation going on here. Uh, I should mention every Charizard deck we've talked about to this point has been the Pidgeot variant, by the way. Um, there was a lot of popularity behind the Bibarel variants, especially with the Technical Machine Evolution package. Uh, very popular in Japan, very popular in online tournaments, but has not transitioned well over into the regional scene, which I find pretty interesting. Uh, but an additional uh, innovation that Haru's made on his list is instead of playing Pidgeot V, instead of playing Luminian V, instead of playing Entei V, uh, they've opted for a Rodom V. Rodom with its instant charge ability. Uh, once during your turn, you may draw three cards. If you do, your turn ends. Uh, you know, just using that turn one, see a few extra cards without having to possibly 
uh, dump your hand with Iano or with Research. Uh, you know, you get to keep the cards in your hand, see a few extra cards deep, and the Rotom V, you know, it's still a target for your Forest Seal Stone uh, to allow you to use Star Alchemy. Pretty interesting concept. Uh, I think I personally am still Team Pidgeot V, I think, just because, you know, you use Instant Charge once and then the Rotom is in play for the rest of the game, and it's just like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's 190 HP two price. It's a little squishy, so not you know I don't know. It it's definitely got its merits for sure. Um, you know I've been playing a lot of uh, Snorlax Stall and Rotom is a very like a very pivotal card in that deck. So I understand how good this card is, and we've seen it you know see play in things like Chin Pao as well before we got to Paradox Rift. So this is not like an unheard of thing, but uh, probably. I don't know. I'd say experiment with it, but I'm not sure if I'm on board with it necessarily. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I don't know. It, it definitely like you can see the value in the card, but I can kind of see the downside of playing it just a little bit. Yeah, and you know, I, I suppose you could flip it, right? Well, it's like, yeah, it's two prizes, and yeah, it's pretty squishy and easy to take. But like, if your opponent like tries to gun that. Like in the early game, okay, they may have taken two prizes, but they didn't KO a Charmander, they didn't KO a Charmeleon, they didn't KO a Pidgey, they didn't KO your Charizard, right? Like that is the most expendable card on your board at that point, and it's two prizes, so now Charizard's dealing 240 damage, which is, you know, that's that's pretty good. Definitely, I I could say, like, I, I really think it, that is, like, kind of the trap option. Like, if you are going to go after the Rotom, uh, it's going to have to be, like, you're going to have to have the lead in, like, mid-late game. You know what I mean? Like, like you were just saying, it's kind of just that trap of, well, if you bother to go after this, I'm just going to get, like, set up. And, uh, you know, like, I know everything will be good because you're trying to get my Rotom. Yeah, and I think it's it, it can definitely create, like, a skill check situation. Um, which I'm sure, like, did not come up at all in day two of the regional, I'm sure. But Oh, yeah. You know, it, it, but it's, it, it's exactly that. It's like a skill check situation, right? So if you go for an early game, everything else on my board is, like, the most important stuff, right? So you just give me more damage for free. But, you know, you take a look at, uh, at Haru's list. Only way to get rid of that Rotom is with the Collapse Stadium, right? So if that doesn't, like, if that whole thing never comes together, then, uh... You know, you've just got the Rotom sitting there. And if you take that as your last two prize cards, that's where it's like, that's where it hurts the most. Uh, so, yeah, kind of interesting. I think I, I think I would like to see a Professor Turo scenario in here just so you can pick it up. Also, you know, it has other benefits in allowing you to pick up damaged Charizards, damaged Pidgeots. It's a Snorlax tech. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not gonna lie, I'm a huge fan of running like one of Professor Turo and a lot of things. Me too. I, I think that card has insanely good value. Yeah, that is that is one of my favorite cards from the new set for sure. <laughs> now I will say, you know, shoutouts to Haru for playing the mini or. You know, he's not playing the Turo, but he does have the mini or, so he does have a Snorlax tech, so good stuff there. <laughs> but uh yeah, cool list all around. Uh, definitely something to experiment with and uh, you know see if you like it for yourself 
Now, the only other lists that I really want to talk about are the Snorlax stall decks. Um, there's not really too much, like, different you can do with Snorlax stall. You can kind of change up your tool counts um, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, the one that made top 8 at LAIC, like, wasn't playing the Carbominable. I think it's kind of, like, the big thing. Uh, which is kind of interesting. I think for, like, best of three, I think you can get away without the Crab. Uh, you know, you have much more time to see a game all the way through, even with a slow deck like this one. Um, but the Crab does kind of help uh, accelerate your win condition just a little bit more. If you know for a fact that your opponent is just stuck and is not going to be able to move, even if they have the ability to retreat, you know, you get the Crab active, attach the water energy to it, and start using that trigger avalanche attack to discard two cards uh, from your opponent's deck. So you combine that with, like, Misfortune Sisters and Trigger Avalanche. You can, like, kind of force mill a little faster. Um, so pretty interesting. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the, the two lists are, are the same 60. I think, I believe, uh, James and Samantha work together on the list. So uh, pretty cool to see it uh, come together. And, you know, again, it, this is a good deck. You're going to have to look out for it. And speaking of Snorlax stall, let's uh, mosey on over to Gdansk on the other side of the globe. 997 players taking it all home is uh, Lukash with Snorlax stall. Yeah, it won a regional, baby. <laughs> Definitely. It, uh, as cool as that is, I also think kind of building off the point you just said... Uh, where this is a deck you got to watch out for. I definitely do agree you got to watch out for it. But at the same time, I will say, if you follow the usual pattern of Pokemon control decks, this deck is just one regional. It, it's about to get itself, like, bumbled into a hole, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that that's usually how it goes, is when control does anything insane, like win an event, that becomes the worst time to play control. Uh, because everybody everybody starts teching for it after control wins something, right? I mean, I have, Definitely. A, I, I have a personal example. Uh, you know, we had Toronto Regionals last season, where which Piper Lapine won with Mewtwo control. The very next regional was Arlington Regionals, and I played Mewtwo control to that regional. And every single one of my opponents was teched and ready for that. Uh, so it was not it, it was not a good event for you, boy. Um, so if you're a control fan, you know, stick it out. You're, you know, your, your matchups are going to get a lot harder, uh, now that you're a public enemy number one, but you know, wait it out. You know, the more people tech for control, the less control does. And then the less playable control becomes, the less people start teching for it. It's the wave, man. It's just it's another wave. wave. Definitely. But I mean, very impressive to see you take a regional, uh, the Snorlax control deck, like you were saying, it's just been kind of uh, running its way through, and it's been cool to see. It definitely has. Yeah, especially because it's like it's an archetype that kind of was like a rogue archetype uh, after rotation. Like it had just enough tools to kind of slink around in the rogue area. It wasn't really anything like too crazy, but it like kind of slowly got better and better. Um, especially around 151, we got Erica's Invitation, which was a huge buff to the deck. Um, we started seeing it in day two at a few regionals. Uh, and then again, you know, Paradox Rift comes out, gives us Counter Catcher, which just 
put this deck on a whole nother level, right? You know, now you're just Pokemon just aren't safe, right? Like if you start with it, or if you start with a with a Pokemon that gets blocked, that sucks. If there's a Pokemon in your hand that gets blocked, Erica's Invitation not only force benches it, but also forces it active. Uh, if you try to discard them, they have Echoing Horn. The only place your you know your non-attacking Pokemon are safe are in the deck or in the prize cards. And uh, unfortunately, just due to the nature of the game, you cannot keep them there for very long. So. <laughs> Definitely. So it's going to be about reading the metagame. You know, uh, if you think uh, control has been quiet long enough that it might make a breakout performance, that's when you need to tech for it. I would almost be as bold to say that now that it's one, maybe you don't need to tech for it. Just let everybody else do it. That's a little. It's a little bit bold. It's a bit risky. Uh, that that is my personal opinion, but you also have to, yeah, like you were just saying, you also have to remember if everyone decides they're gonna let everyone else take care of it, then no one's taking care of it. So, I think if you can afford to tech for it, if you're not planning on playing it yourself, and you can afford to tech for it, I would go ahead and tech for it. Yeah, like if your tech cards are like things that are useful in like other matchups, like Professor Turo in uh, Charizard EX, for example, like. Snorlax stall notwithstanding, that card is just good in Charizard in general, right? So that's kind of like a card that you would want to include as like a control tech, right? Like, because you have the Professor Turo, which is going to help you pick up a Pokemon that got stuck active, right? Which is going to break the lock, allow you to take some prize cards. But also in other matchups, you know, when Charizard gets damaged, you pick it up, deny the prizes, and you keep moving on. You know, if your deck has stuff like that, then that's like Chef's Kiss. That's like the perfect... That's like the perfect type of thing. But if your deck doesn't have anything like supernatural like that, um, I guess Chen Pao is probably a good example where like something like Turo doesn't really work all that well. Uh, you probably need to consider playing the Minior from uh, Paradox Rift. Uh, you know, its ability says uh, if you attach an energy to it, uh, it becomes the active Pokemon. And then for one energy... It does uh, 20 times each colorless in your opponent's uh, active Pokemon's retreat cost. Snorlax has 4, times 2 for weakness is 160. That's enough for a KO, assuming it doesn't have a tool card attached. Um, so, I mean, you definitely have options. It's definitely not the end of the world. I saw, and I definitely, this had to have been engagement bait. I've I refused to believe that it wasn't, but, you know, I saw people calling for, you know, possibly banning Snorlax, and I was like, stop stop it's 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 so not that bad <laughs> uh, yeah i definitely don't think it's anywhere near bad enough you gotta be chatting uh something like banning <laughs> i think that's a little extreme for sure yeah but uh you know if, if you needed more proof here it is uh regional champion wukash with snorlax stall so uh you know just something to consider when you're building your decks and uh you know you just take it from there but Outside of that, the top eight was pretty interesting. Uh, a lot of Charizard. <laughs> Three different Charizards in the top eight. Uh, let me pull this back up properly. Eighth place, Ewan West. Uh, and seventh place, Jamie Hindley. Both playing that double turbo Mew. Sixth place, Thomas Jones on Charizard. Fifth place, Tord Reklev on the Lost Zone box. We'll talk about it. That's an interesting deck. Fourth place, 2018 world champion Robin Scholes. Charizard EX. Third place, Luke Kirkham. With Palkia, uh, definitely came out of left field for me. And second place, Aaron Kingma on Charizard. And of course, like we said, Wukash with the dub Snorlax Stall. 
Um, what a wild top eight, first off. Uh, I personally was not expecting Charizard to, like, go this ham this past weekend. Like, it had a lot of good placements in Brisbane, had a lot of good placements in Gdansk. Um, and once again, you know, it, the picture is painted perfectly once you see the metagame at both Brisbane and Gdansk. Uh, the most popular deck in the room was Miraidon, and Miraidon uh, does not have the greatest Charizard matchup, even with hands. Um, you know, once the EX comes out to play, it's very difficult for uh, Miraidon to handle that. Uh, so, you know, it, it, again, one of those things, you paint a bigger picture of the whole situation. It uh, kind of makes sense. But uh, yeah, big week for Snorlax, big week for Charizard. Uh, seeing more of the Rotom V in Charizard, like with Robin Scholl's list. And a little bit more Delphox. Again, just all pretty interesting stuff. Um, but not as interesting as Palkia in top eight in 2023. Palkia just kind of like fell off the face of the earth after rotation, right? Like Maridon came out. Maridon, not the worst matchup for Palkia, but it's not a great matchup either. Uh, you know, and then just overall, just kind of kind of being power crept format's a little fast that playing v-stars is a little rough sometimes you know because a lot of decks want to go second these days v-stars unfortunately still have to go first and uh that is not exactly great not exactly what you want to see in this format but uh you know luke kirkham came out here got third place with palkia anyway uh pretty interesting list very similar to the uh palkia chim pow decks that we've seen from scarlet and violet or rather uh from paldea evolved uh, but with the 1-1 one, one Ice Rider Calyrex package, that's kind of the biggest thing for me. I think when you kind of take a step outside of the box and you start thinking about it, I, I think this makes a lot more sense. I mean, it's not, like you said, Pocky has been power crept a little bit, but it's not like it's ever been bad, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's still one of the most efficient attackers in the game. Uh, I mean, a potential 260 for two is crazy. Star Portal is an insanely good ability. Um, just, yeah, I, like, it's it's just fast. It's consistent. It's like a racing deck. 2-2-2 two, two, two every turn. It's going to do it. <laughs> it's fast. It's consistent. And, like... In this list here, like, you see, I think the things like Mew EX and even, like, this one Chi and Pow EX, I think they really kind of help uh, uplift Palkia, kind of get it back into the metagame. It, it does kind of get rid of that slowness a little bit, in my opinion. It helps kind of make it more, like, competable, and I think because of that, it, it definitely uh, is probably a lot more useful than we've uh, given it credit for lately. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, like I said, Palkia just being super efficient. It's just, like, generally good into just about anything. But you have the, uh, like you said, the Chin Pao in here. Not only to help you find your energy with its Shivery Chill ability, but you could also power it up with Star Portal, plus whatever energies you already have in play, thanks to things like Attaching for Turn, things like Melanie. Uh, you know, because... Again, Palkia kind of caps out at 260 if your opponent is playing into it, which is the big if. But, uh, you know, if you got a big Charizard EX on the other side of the field that you just need to blow up, you got Chien Pao for that. And, honestly, the more I think about, like, the Ice Rider, the, like, the more, like, just kind of crazy it is. Cause, like, yeah, I mean, this is a pretty bench-heavy format when you think about it. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. So many decks are wanting to go wide. That's, like, part of why Avery Screamtail is just so powerful and guardy right now. But, you know, with Ice Rider, I think is, like, kind of like the the opposite side of Chin Pao, right? Where Chin Pao, it's frail. You know, it's easy to knock out, but it could realistically knock out anything uh, just Mm -hmm. because it has limitless damage potential. Now, the Ice Rider, on the other hand, is, like, kind of, like, a beefier Chen, Chen Power, right? It's got 320 HP. It's massive. Difficult to KO. Doesn't have the damage potential as Chen Pao. But if you need something bulkier that still does a lot of damage, Ice Rider Calyrex is perfect, right? And in a metagame that was like so full of Miraidon, again, it was the most popular deck at Gdansk, Calyrex just makes so much sense. Because A, it's not weak to lightning. B... Again, 320 HP is not easy for them to hit. They got to power up a Raichu to get there. And, you know, with lists favoring more hands these days, it's a lot harder for Raichu plays to come off. Not impossible, but it's yeah. a lot harder to pull them off. I mean, especially with, like, when you get into these trainers here and look at the switching options, like, my man's running th- four cross switchers, three switch, two escape rope. Like, I think. That's kind of like the unshined potential, actually, here when you think about it. Between, like, the tankiness of that Cal- uh, Ice Rider Calyrex VMAX, and even Palky, I mean, Palky is 280, which is very respectable. Uh, and the low energy cost between them all, and just switching and rotating around, I think it's actually very difficult to deal with. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've picked up the deck, I've played it a little bit. Jake Riggs, uh, you know, a friend we have on here quite frequently, also a very talented player. Uh, he loves Palkia, so he, he saw this and picked it up immediately. And he's like, yeah, this is uh, this is a tough deck to play. <laughs> so, Oh, for sure. You know, get your reps in with it. Um, but I looked over uh, Luke's matchups on Pokestats Alive, and he played against like seven Miraidon. And I think normally Palkia loses that matchup, but again, with the Calyrex, I think it just like really does smooth that matchup over. So uh, pretty pretty good call from Luke. I, I, I got to hand it. I, I got to hand it to him. Definitely. Now the last deck we're going to talk about before we wrap up our new segment. Tord is back. He's uh, well. I mean, he obviously never went anywhere, but ever since Scarlet and Violet came out, he's done nothing but play Gardevoir, like just to every single event. Um, but kind of breaking the trend a little bit here, playing Lost Zone Box, and it's a very unique build. And it's funny, a lot of people, like, you know, people he was talking to about the list before the event, and then even come day of the event, and he posts a picture of Roaring Moon, Iron Hands, and Palkia. It says, ready for the tournament. Everybody thought he was joking. No, he was not joking. He actually played this pie. (laughs) Um... I'm gonna be honest. At this point, I just I, I don't second guess Tord. If Tord's gonna do something, exactly, I think yeah. all right, this man's cracked something. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, listen, if if Tord put put his name behind it, the chances are that's probably one of the most cracked things you've ever seen. Uh, and this was definitely pretty interesting to watch. Uh, I you know basically the concept being, what if we just put all of the best attackers in the game in one Lost Zone deck? You have Radiant Greninja. Celebrations Kyogre, Roaring Moon EX, Iron Hands EX, and Sableye, all as one-offs in the deck. Uh, 
you know, couple it uh, or bring it all together with your, you know, your usual, your Comfey, your Cramorant, and a 1-1 Palkia V-Star. That's right, there are two Palkia V-Star in this top eight. <laughs> um, and it's just like an insanely versatile deck. And I remember watching Tord play the deck on stream. He won the stream game, and when asked about the deck, uh, you know, Tord was like, yeah, we, you know, we just put all the best attackers in the deck. It started off as a joke, but then it ended up kind of being okay. And to, to quote Tord, uh, he goes, it doesn't, like, what can you do? I'm going to take two prizes every turn, no matter what. <laughs> it, uh, he's not wrong. He's not wrong, because it's like, you know, it's a bunch of one prizers. Okay, you can sable eye spread, take multiple prizes that way. If it's uh, a V-heavy deck, something like Mew, you got the Kyogre play for the end of the game. Again, we talked about how just efficient of an attacker Palkia is. If you overbench, the Palkia comes down, takes easy two prizes. You got something big and bulky in the way. You just hit the frenzied gouging with Roaring Moon. And if it's nothing but one-prizers that you can't spread and take out with Sableye and Greninja, you got the Iron Hands. You go amp you very much. And, like, it was just so interesting, like, watching him play the deck the way, like... Because you, you, you definitely kind of have to be careful what order you play the cards, right? Like, you kind of yeah, like yeah. drop the escape rope, and then your opponent's like, alright, here's this one-prizer. And then you're like, alright, cool, bench the Iron Hands, and then go crazy, and then find a way to switch out of whatever you made active or whatever... You know, it, it's kind of like, because there's no gust, right? Like, you just have to deal with yeah. whatever your opponent puts in the active. So it's like partially reacting to that, but also sequencing your turns in a way to sneakily, proactively, uh, you know, prep a different threat that your opponent may not have been expecting. Such a unique deck. Um, I do think, honestly, in my honest opinion, this is kind of a deck, though, that... Uh will get at least slightly worse if it becomes popular. Oh, just sure. because I think a lot of the power of this deck is just, like, truly the unpredictability of this. Like, uh, if someone sat down across from you and you see, like, mid-game, you're looking at a Roaring Moons and an Iron Hand and a Palkia V on your opponent's bench, you're, you're just going to be completely lost. Like you were saying, like, yeah. he's just going to be like, I, I don't even know what's going on right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I can attest to that. Like, a few days after the tournament, I was playing PTCG Live against this deck. They had a mulligan, and then I saw the lightning energy. I was like, okay. And they started Comfey. They started doing some flower selectings. I see uh, water off the concealed cards. I see a dark lasso, and I'm like, okay, I know what I'm up against. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, So, yeah, I mean, the surprise factor for the archetype is definitely gone. Um, But, I mean, still a powerful deck. Uh, I think Omnipoke said it best in their video uh, covering the decks uh, that the combination of Roaring Moon and Iron Hands is just like you you can't really play around it, right? You you know if if you force your opponent to move around with something like Escape Rope, if they put a bulky Pokemon, you lose it to Roaring Moon. If you put a one prizer, you lose it to Iron Hands. Either way, you're losing two prize cards, and that's like that's terrifying. Definitely. So. Uh, really unique deck. Uh, interested to see if he continues to evolve the archetype. Um, if I remember correctly, I think he said on Twitter that he was just trying to have fun at Gdansk. So we'll have to see if he uh, keeps trying to improve upon the archetype or if he goes back to Gardevoir. I'll definitely be interested to see. But uh, yeah, 
Uh, pretty interesting decks all around. A lot of interesting stuff to talk about, <laughs> for sure. For sure. But I think that's going to wrap it up for our news segment. Let us know what you think of all of our topics, the new sets, uh, some new cards, all the tournaments going down. Let us know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at DamageCounter, DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. And of course, you can feel free to keep the conversation going with us in our community Discord as well. But with that being said, it's time to move into our 60-card showcase. There was one deck from the LAIC that we didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about. And that's because we wanted to talk about it in our 60-card showcase. That's right. Ente Iron Valiant Caliente, as uh, some people were talking about. I really like Or Valiente, rather. Uh, very funny. A lot of funny deck names for this one. So <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about it. Alright, this week for our 60-card showcase, uh, like Valen was saying, we have Iron Valiant Entei. Or, uh, what, what would you say what was the combined name? Valiente. Valiente. Uh, that, that is a, that's a spicy name, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen Valiente, and I've seen uh, what Noah Sawyer called it uh, personally on Twitter. He called it Kibbles and Bits, <laughs> <laughs> which is also pretty good. Yeah. Uh, th that is very good, honestly, and I think that sums it up very well, Kibbles and Bits. I mean, the the whole idea of this deck is you just chipping away 20 at a time, just stacking, 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 you know what I mean? Just, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the whole point, honestly, is you're stacking damage with your Iron Valiant, swap it as much as you can every turn. Uh, you got your big hitters in there with the Radiant Charizard, you got your Entei to help support you. Uh, I mean... It's a pretty solid deck all around. Yeah, just... obviously, uh, I think a lot better than people gave credit for. You know what I mean? We, I mean, uh, when the set was getting announced, uh, like you said, people saw, oh, Roaring Moon's broken, Iron Valiant's broken. Uh, I think Iron Valiant kind of took the back seat for a little bit there. I think people kind of wrote it off a little bit, at least not as good as some of what else we were seeing. But uh, I think it's definitely established itself now. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, it was kind of interesting, right? Because the card was announced, right? We read Tachyon Bits. We're like, dang, that's a pretty good ability. But, and, and again, this this card was announced at Worlds, by the way. So this is like in August. So we saw that. And throughout August, leading up to the set, like nobody really had like the perfect partner for Iron Valiant, right? We're like, okay, Tachyon Bits is clearly a broken ability. Clearly very strong. But... From August, when we first read the card, which granted, we obviously didn't have the entire set back then, but from August when we first read the card, all the way up to like a week or two before LAIC, nobody just knew the right partner, right? We tried, just Iron Valiant was Zatu, that way you could attack with the Iron Valiant, as well as use the Zatu to accelerate energy and draw cards, so you had the bits and the laser blade. That was okay, not particularly great. We saw Valiant Urshifu, which I think was the most popular archetype before Entei was discovered. Makes sense, Urshifu wants to become active to use its Gale Thrust attack, and Rapid Flow is obviously pretty broken. There was just something about it that wasn't quite as strong, like it was a little clunky. And we saw other things like Iron Valiant Jolteon, I think is a favorite of mine personally. 
Um, but, uh, you know, out of nowhere, somebody come up came up with the idea to go, let's pair it with Entei-V, use its fleet-footed ability as a sort of pseudo-draw engine, and use Magma Basin for energy acceleration. Uh, and then it just... It, it just works, like, almost perfectly. Like, it, it's kind of funny, one of those things, I know I said it earlier when I was doing my testing, I was like, yeah, this is definitely the best variant, but, like, just all the, the small, minute reasons why it was good, like, did not immediately stand out to me until I was watching it in the finals of LAIC, and I kept thinking about it, and I kept thinking about it, and the more I thought about it, I was like, oh my god, this deck has so many more minute strategies that I just didn't even, like, I didn't even consider. And that's something that only really applies to the Entei variant of the deck. Which, like, Entei V, of all things, this card was bulk. The most relevance it had is just being a one-of in Charizard. And even then, people were cutting it for Pidgeot V. Like. Definitely. It's, it, it's a very scary deck. I will say it's a very hard deck to play. Uh... You definitely have to get your reps in. Uh, probably quite a lot of reps, honestly, just because... Uh, just, I mean, with the low damage you're doing, mostly with your Iron Valiance, even with the Entei and having the Radiant Charizard, it, it's very easy to uh, put yourself in awkward situations if you don't plan your math out just right. Yeah, or even just your sequencing, uh, which I think was the oh, biggest... Definitely. Yeah, that was the biggest hurdle for me when I was like first testing Valiant. Because it's like, okay, uh, you know, my opponent take this knockout. All right, cool, I promote this, and then I want to retreat into this, and then I want to switch into this. And it's just like, you know, how do you maximize your switching options to get as many tachyon bits off as possible? Uh, it sounds like it would be pretty simple. You'd be surprised. It can actually be a little weird sometimes. Uh, so your sequencing definitely needs to be on point for sure. And especially when you include the NTV, you know, with its fleet-footed ability to draw a few extra cards, you know, that's like that's switching a lot. cards. Yeah, because yeah. no, those are switching cards that are not providing damage, right? So it's just like this weird kind of counterbalance of like, okay, I need to see a few extra cards to get this combo off this turn. Do I have the switch cards to afford it? Do I need to go for a safer play? This, that, the other. Uh, it, it, it's pretty interesting, just kind of how the deck comes together sometimes. Definitely. Like, uh, you talked about the Rapid Strike variant a little bit. Uh, I was actually playing that one right before the, uh, we started recording the podcast, and it definitely is a lot more awkward than this variant. Uh, the, the, like you said, the Entei variant, it just, like, fits. It's almost perfect. Like, with the Urshifu variant, it's not that hard to get online and get going, but it's very easy just to end yourself up in a dead draw, just waiting to get your professor's research or any kind of support or draw, Iono or something. You can, you can have multiple turns where, like, nothing's going on. So, at the very least, with this variant, Entei really does just make that difference. Let you dig a little deeper, see a couple more cards. I think it really does just kind of complement the deck perfectly, along with its attack. Yeah, very energy-efficient attack uh, scales based off of how many bench Pokemon both you and your opponent have. And we talked about this, right? Like, the you know, the format is, you know... Once again, in a position where so many decks are wanting to go wide, uh, so that could put a hamper on them. And then you, of course, you're you know you're going to be benching all these different Iron Valiants, right, to get as as many tachyon yeah. bits off in a turn, right? Like it just goes together so well. 
Definitely. And with the Radiant Charizard there to close out matches, that really is pretty scary because obviously you got to try to deal with the Iron Valiance or whatnot or you're just going to get chipped away completely. So you're going to be taking your two prizes, whatnot. But Iron Valiant, if they're setting up properly, is going to be taking some very good trades, most likely. And just swinging out with the Radiant Charizard to close out games is very scary. Yeah, I honestly, the Radiant Charizard, I think, like is what carries this deck into the stratosphere, I think. Right? Because if you have the Entei's Iron Valiance, basically, if you have this entire deck without the Radiant Charizard, it's pretty good. But adding the Radiant Charizard into it is just like... That one card alone puts this deck on another level, in my opinion. And I talked about it earlier. I do, like I said, I think Radiant Charizard just straight up is one of the best cards in the format right now. Um, what with, you know, the, the, the speed of the format increasing and with just more aggressive multi-prize decks being in the field these days, having a bulky basic one prize Pokemon that can respond that, to those... That can just walk out, yeah, yeah, and respond is very, very powerful. No, I definitely agree. Radiant Charizard is insanely strong. And it's so versatile. I mean, it can go in pretty much anything you want, really, as long as you can make the space for it and you don't need, basically, Greninja, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> for the most part right now, you either run Greninja or you run Charizard. There's a few exceptions, but, I mean, I mean this, this cards are just so good, it really is hard to reason uh, running anything else. You either want the support with the draw power of concealed cards or you're just... Uh, Please, Radiant Charizard, blow something up, you know? Absolutely. And the the cool thing about Radiant Charizard in this deck is this is actually one of the few decks in format that can actually, like, power up Radiant Charizard early. Or, or like, ahead of time, right? Because, you know, at the beginning of the game, if your opponent hasn't taken any prize cards, you know, one fire, four colorless, yeah, you're not getting that off the ground. But if your opponent takes two prizes off of an Entei or an Iron Valiant or a Squawk Ability or Metacham, whatever... You know, now, with the Excited Heart ability, Combustion Blast only costs Fire and two Colorless. So you can attach a double turbo, accelerate to it with Magma Basin, boom, you've got Combustion Blast for 230 ready to go. And 230 is pretty good, right? Like, 230 is going to KO Roaring Moon, it's going to KO Iron Hand, it's going to KO basically any basic Pokemon EX, any basic Pokemon V, right? Um, you know, you're going to need a little bit of extra help to get over the line on EX Pokemon like Charizard and Gardevoir, right? You're going to need a little extra help to get over uh, those 300 HP Pokemon or even the 280s, but like... But even if you... Usually, though, if you've been doing your math right or setting up for something like that with your Tachyon bitch, you probably can do that pretty easily, honestly. Yeah, exactly, right? So, you know, you just have a little bit of that foresight, uh... You know, throw on those Tachyon bits, and then boom, Combustion Blast for a swift knockout. Yeah, that can uh, that 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 will absolutely devastate some boards. Like it, it's it's insane how devastating that can be, right? Because you take a big knockout, you take two prizes, and then your opponent says, "Right, okay, uh, they just took a big knockout much sooner than I was expecting," and there there it is, right there in the active spot. So it's just like. You can't like you can't really ignore Radiant Charizard because it does so much damage, but at Definitely. the same time you don't want to KO it because it's not a two prizer. It that's hurting your prize trade. You're basically getting nothing for KOing it. So it it's just like so awkward to deal with against this deck. And it's just like oh my lord, dude. 
Definitely. I mean, kind of wrapping up the Pokemon here. Uh, you got Metacham V, so I think most people know Metacham V by this point. It's been a fairly popular card uh, pretty much throughout the entirety of the format. There's been at least one deck running it, usually Urshifu. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's just that's such a powerful card when you think about it. We've been talking about these heavy hitters and whatnot, but Metacham V. And especially with all these evolution decks, it's very easy to tack you on bits enough damage on there to get yourself into that 20 damage range to get the Yoga Loop off. And, I mean, Yoga Loop, get an extra turn. That's a, an extra turn with Iron Valiant. Just getting to put a whole new set of Tachyon bits down, like, pretty broken. Yeah. <laughs> fairly, fairly easy to achieve right now, honestly. Like, pretty easy. If you can get, like, turn two... If you somehow get two to three Iron Valiants on a bench, they just have a Charmander or something, and you get that Metacham, one future booster, bop, bop, Metacham, boom, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that that's what makes Iron Valiant such a menace to evolution decks, right? Like, you know, you get the early pop-off. Maybe they didn't get a whole bunch of Pokemon into play. That's like, all right, cool. Um, you know, they need a turn to evolve, right? So I have a turn to to start chipping away at them. So, okay, Tachyon Bits here, Tachyon Bits here, Tachyon Bits here. Boom, Yoga Loop, you lost a Charmander. My turn again, do it again, knock out your other Charmander, and now you don't have any more Charmanders in play. You're like, at that point, you're either donked or, you know, you now have to set up another Charmander, which might fall to the same fate, you know? So it's just like, it can be really tough for Evolution decks to deal with this. This is part of why, like, Chimpow just has a... Yeah horrible matchup yeah, it's why it, it just eats up chi and pal gardevoir and charizard like we were saying uh especially with gardevoir like i just i truly believe you gotta run that vip like you just need to be able to get enough pokemon out on your bench you can weather the storm to get online and start taking uh ko's because that is kind of iron valiant's weakness it's very slippery especially if the person knows what they're doing honestly but uh it is a fairly weak deck from an hp standpoint it's fairly easy to get those ko's if you can get set up the hard part's just getting there yeah for sure because we're working with just basic pokemon v basic pokemon ex 230 is the highest hp you have outside of you know things like bravery charm of course uh which you know 230 for some decks can be a little difficult to hit but you do have to remember that with your entei more often than not you're submitting yourself to magma basin damage so you have to be a little bit careful of that um, but yeah, you know, your Pokemon are pretty frail if your opponent can get set up, so you have to be careful, that kind of thing. Um, and you know what, uh, another downside to the deck is that, uh, well, this is really good against, like, one prizers and evolution decks like Gardevoir and Lost Box. Uh, it struggles a little bit with the big basics, you know, decks like Miraidon, uh, decks like Roaring Moon to a point. You know, those decks that aren't really playing many one prize Pokemon... Uh, you know, the Tachyon bits are obviously, you know, every little bit helps, right? But you're not going to be able to go, like, insano, sicko mode on a board, you know, like you could against uh, one-prizers, right? So, uh, it, you, you could have some troubling matchups that way. But again, I think that's just, like, why Entei V is, like, the best partner, right? Because it's efficient, and it's going to be able to do enough damage to those big basics that Tachyon Bits just kind of doesn't do much to, that it's going to keep you in the game, which is pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, not to mention, by the way, if you try to play around Entei V by underbenching, 
it makes yoga looping uh, your two prize basic EX easier, so you really <laughs> just can't win. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean, I think that that pretty much sums up the Pokemon. You got Squawkabilly, but that's only because uh, for that first hand reset, you basically, gotta, you if you need it, cards. yeah, you gotta see some gotta cards. See cards. I mean, that is the weakness of the deck, like we were saying, uh, especially the Urshifu Baron, it just kind of falls out. Yeah, since, uh, you know, you have to commit so much uh, bench space to the Iron Valiance, mm -hmm. you just don't have any room for onboard draw, right? So your draw is all supporter-based, right? So if, <laughs> Yeah, so you, you can see that in the four professors' research, three Colrus. I mean, you're just trying to see cards, basically, and those... Uh, those options let you see the most cards, so... Yep. And it's just one of those things, if you play a supporter and you don't find an out to another supporter, you're in top deck mode. And that, you know, if it's one of those things where it's like you play research and you draw seven cards and don't have a supporter, you know, it's like, that sucks, but it's like, it's manageable, right? Because you still have fleet-footed and stuff like that. Um... You know, you might still be in top deck mode, but like at least like you kind of can play your hand away to draw a few extra cards. Now, if we're talking like mid to late game Ionos, that sucks. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> like this deck you is just... so weak to Iono, it hurts. Yeah, you just almost have no way out of it at that point. Honestly, it's uh, it's very rough. Yeah, you're just you're just praying on a top deck. You know, maybe you maybe you put a forest seal stone into play earlier that you haven't used yet. You know. If you're, if you're in that position, then, like, awesome. But, like, if you've used it or you don't have access to it and you get Iono, don't have a supporter, you're just, like, you're just in top deck mode and it feels so bad. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, besides that, the supporters are pretty obvious. You run four of basically every switch card in the format. Uh, got a little bit of search options with your Vips and Nest Balls. Got your Vacuum, just in case you need to... Get rid of a stadium, or not a stadium, get rid of a tool card, something, you know. Also good for getting rid of path. Yeah, true. Because this is a path weak deck, too. <laughs> the, uh, I think the other biggest highlight, honestly, is Iron Valiant's basically main partner here with the uh, future booster energy capsule. I mean, it's just a uh, very good card, very, very good cool tool card. That free retreat, plus a little bit of heal, very powerful. Yeah. And also uh, a mouthful and a pain in the butt to write on a deck list. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is. I couldn't even get the whole thing out without faltering. But, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, that that card's part of what does make this deck so good. It's just giving that, getting that guaranteed free retreat on Iron Valiant for sure it means you can stack up at least a little bit of chip damage every turn. Even if you are in the hole. <laughs> yeah, just... guarantees uh, some tachyon bits for sure, and uh, you know lets you lets you get a little bit more value out of out of your switch cards by basically needing less of them. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, definitely. And I think kind of wrapping it up here, it's just the last thing to really cover is uh, I mean you run bravery charm, get a little bit of extra HP. Uh, I mean fairly reasonable. You got the evolution, uh, basically. Kind of a stall tactic, or uh, get your damage set up, pop the de-evolution off, and just take some free KOs. Just, you know, remember what their, whatever their stage uh, basic or stage 1 evolution was. You can use that to get some fairly sneaky KOs if you set it up right. Or just stall if you need to. Sometimes that's just enough, you know. 
Yeah, I think the devolution is actually like super cool in this deck. A little weird because it's like since the since the tool card falls off at the end of the turn, you kind of need to draw into it at the right time. Otherwise, like you just might end up just researching it away and just like, oh well. But um, yeah, I mean, really cool. As like I said before, is like you know the deck goes crazy on evolution decks, but if you get off to a slow start, you know Charizard gets into play or a Backscalibur gets into play. You know, sometimes it can be difficult for the deck to come back from stuff like that. And the de-evolution uh, TM gives you that window of opportunity to be like, okay, hey, you know, here's a bunch of Tachyon bits all over the place. Uh, you know, I'll de-evolve de all your guys, uh, take some prize cards to try to swing things back into my favor. Super cool card in the list. Could be a little difficult to time just based on the engine, but super cool card. Definitely. And uh, I think the last kind of highlight of the deck here would be uh, the four seal stone. I think that's part of what makes this deck work as well as it does. I mean, running to Intev, obviously another benefit to it is it gives you access to the stones as options, which both of them are very good. But having having access to Forest Seal Stone and being able to, I mean, get one card is sometimes just enough to get this deck out of the hole it's in or into the answer you need. You know what I mean? I think it's honestly a pretty essential part of the deck. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, you don't play a V-Star, so you might as well give yourself a V-Star power of some kind, right? So Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I think that kind of wraps it up. I mean, energy, you just run some basic double turbo and some jet energy. Uh, jet energy just has the benefit of letting you switch a little bit more. Double turbo gets you online fast, get your Entei's going. Uh, you got some fire energy to get your Charizard's or Entei online. That's about it. It's It doesn't seem that complicated. I, I I think you said that earlier, like, the stack, it seems pretty simple when you're just looking at it, but Iron Valiant is very complicated to play. Especially this Entei variant. Like you said, this deck in particular has a lot of nuances that you wouldn't initially think about. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, it, the classic low skill floor but high skill ceiling kind of deck um, that we see time and time again come from Pokemon. A little bit linear uh, compared to other decks like that, but... You know, still one that you're going to have to get a good amount of reps in with uh, to see any kind of success with. But, uh, I mean, second place at LAIC. Uh, like I said, I would not have predicted that, but, uh, you know, here we are. Uh, I don't think I would have predicted it either, but uh, I think it kind of makes sense. I really think this deck in the hands of a skilled player, and especially, I mean, just in this format right now, I think it's very deadly. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I think that's going to wrap it up for Entei, Iron, Valiant, Kibbles and Bits in our 16-card uh, showcase. I love that name. It's so good. <laughs> uh, but let us know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at DamageCounter, DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. And of course, if you've played the deck and want to talk more about it, you can also hit us up in our community Discord. Links to that are in the episode description down below. And all of it at and as always, if you have a deck you'd like for us to talk about here on the podcast, feel free to send it our way. Well, we'd love to talk about it. We don't care about the format. It just has to be a functional 60-card deck. <laughs> I always say that because I just imagine someone sending us a deck with, like, 59 energy and, like, one Pikachu or something, you know? 
uh, oh, what is it? Oh, what's it called? Uh, there is a base set deck that actually does that. I forget what it's... Uh, Mulligan Mewtwo. That's what it's called. You play a one <laughs> Mewtwo and 59 Psychic Energy. The deck is a meme, but it has been a long... An everlasting meme <laughs> in the Pokemon <laughs> TCG space. It's very funny. Maybe we should cover that one day. I guess we will. It's, I mean, uh, hey, if, if nothing else, it's a pretty cheap deck to build. You're not wrong. <laughs> But anyway, uh, yeah, feel free to send them our way. We'd love to talk about them here on the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, but with that being said, we're going to move into our main discussion. We have Shiny Treasure EX coming out soon in Japan. Paldean Fates for us here in the United States. And we got some Shiny Pokemon coming out in the set. Now, we thought it was just going to be, you know, your same regular Shiny Pokemon with the full art, you know, kind of reprints and stuff. But... Turns out they're actually getting these nice and fancy illustrator rares with shiny Pokemon as well. That's what inspired us to talk about our top five most desired shiny reprint cards for Paldean Fates. So let's get into it. All right, here we are. End of the year. You know, we're starting to get those, uh, those special shiny sets again. Uh, these happen. I mean, this used to be kind of a rare kind of thing, right? Like, shiny cards used to not be as, like, uh, as heavily printed as they are these days, but now it's kind of become, like, an annual thing. Um, and, you know, we have Paldean Fates coming out soon in January, uh, Shiny Treasure EX in Japan. And, uh, I believe y'all, y'all will probably remember me saying, uh, I think the last time we talked about this, how unexcited I was for this set considering that the shiny artworks, at least in my opinion, especially if you look at something like Shiny Fates, have been kind of lazy, uh, in my opinion. But, you know, we saw the reveal of some Illustrator Rare Shiny Pokemon, and that kind of got my excitement going through the roof. Uh, I mean, like the, you know, the Charizard, the Palafin, the Gardevoir, they all look insanely good. Uh, so... That's what inspired us to talk about the top five cards from the Scarlet and Violet series that we would like to see uh, reprinted as shiny Pokemon. Uh, and that's really all there is to it. You know, there's not very many other qualifying factors outside of that. Um, so I think I'll go ahead and kick things off with my number five. Uh, and that's going to be Mewtwo from Pokemon card 151. Um, of course, the celebratory uh, set featuring all of the Generation 1 Pokemon. And I've chosen this card not for any particular reason. Shiny Mewtwo is green. Green is my favorite color. Mewtwo's a cool Pokemon. That's all I need. Just a green Mewtwo. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I mean, uh, who would be upset with that? But I'll go ahead and say that I had that. I had uh, Shiny Mewtwo at uh, fourth on my list. So. Are you serious? <laughs> of course, oh, man. It's dude. Mewtwo. <laughs> dude, part of me picked this one because I was like... Surely, surely there's no way. It's Mewtwo! <laughs> but I mean, also considering, like, my history with the Shining Mewtwo card from Neo Destiny, arguably one of the most important cards, at least in my personal TCG history, uh, yeah. I, I will jump at any chance to have a Shining Mewtwo card. You know. For sure. For um, sure. But yeah, like I said, it, no other reason. Uh, no, I think that's completely respectable, honestly. I think that's the main draw to these, for the most part, is they just make really cool collector's pieces. Yeah. Especially especially for me, because, like, what, what I need's already been fulfilled, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Anything I, else I get is a bonus. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, for my number five pick, I uh, kind of, for the same reasoning, I have uh, Lugia. Just 
Shiny Lugia. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. You know, I'm not a huge fan of the Lugia of the deck, but uh, Lugia is like one of my top five favorite legendaries. So, I mean, I, w- I would just love another sick shiny artwork. I think it, I think it would be sick. I don't love shiny Lugia. Like, it, mm-hmm. like it's red. It's so. Red. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Or if they wanted to get really crazy with it, and they just went with the uh, with the dark Lugia or something. I don't know if you could count that as shiny. Not really, but you know, it it would be sick. That would be pretty sick. It's <laughs> unfortunate that Pokemon of today does does what they can to not acknowledge the ore games in any shape, form, or fashion. I know. It's painful. Anyway, uh, yeah, like I said, kind of the same reasoning. Uh, it's sick card, and if I got it, I'd be pretty excited if I ever did play Lugia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure, for sure. I'll keep things moving, hop into my number four. And I was kind of debating this one. If y'all have listened to the podcast, y'all know my favorite Pokemon from Generation 9 is Armor Rouge. And I was kind of debating this one because Armor Rouge's shiny is terrible. It's it's just, it's not good. They only change the eyes. But Armor Rouge is at least a semi-playable card, uh, be it the EX or the One Prizer. It's at least semi-playable, has potential to see play. And, you know, me being a competitive player, that kind of stuff is important to me as well. So I figured, okay, my favorite Gen 9 Pokemon, uh, and it has potential to be a competitive card. Okay, fine. I'll put Armor Rouge on the list, specifically Armor Rouge EX, because EXs are cool. Um, so yeah, Armor Rouge EX. I do not like the shiny. I think it's really bad, but... Uh, you know, Armor Rouge is just that cool of a Pokemon that it, it, that it can have a bad shiny, and I'd still be happy about having the shiny card. I'm like Gar- uh, poor Garchomp, man. <laughs> definitely. Uh, I was gonna bring it up in my honorable mentions, but since you uh, are talking about its brother, uh, I really wanted to include Crayluge on the list, but like I just couldn't like make the spot for it just because I don't think it's viable enough to even be warranted. I mean, same kind of concept. I, I think the shiny is kind of bad but at the same time that's like my favorite pokemon <laughs> that's fair it's funny so how that really happened cool. yeah yeah oh, yeah it's sure. funny how that happened because both me and phelan immediately got uh charcadets and <laughs> went for our respective runs when oh, the game yeah. came out oh yeah i mean i <laughs> dude i wanted them both because like i said they're clear oh, Mega Man sure. references and i love Mega Man games um but yeah dude such a missed opportunity with these shinies like, they could have made Armor Rouge blue, they could have made Serilage red, they could have really leaned into the Mega Man references, that would have been so cool, but no, yeah. they just changed the eyes, and it makes makes for a horrible shiny hunt, let me tell you. Definitely. It's a pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah, uh, going on, the number four spot for me, like I already said, was uh, Mewtwo, so uh, I think we already got that covered, like... Like I said, it's Mewtwo. It's a pretty cool card. I would love for it to be more viable. And, uh, I mean, you just can't be upset about having a shiny Mewtwo. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mewtwo, I think if if it isn't Charizard, it's usually Mewtwo that, like, the collectors are going crazy over. Because um, I know there's a few, a good few Mewtwo cards from Sun and Moon that also fetch pretty high prices uh, these days. Between, like, the shiny, the test tube Mewtwo, and then the tag team cards, so... Uh, you know, like you said, it's all, it's always nice to have another Mewtwo card. Definitely. 
We'll go ahead and move into my number three. And uh, this one is probably also not too big of a surprise uh, if, if y'all are long-time listeners. Uh, and I'm going to go with the Mawile from Obsidian Flames. Uh, Mawile, just a basic nice. Pokemon, has the ability Special Eater. When you play this Pokemon from your hand onto your bench during your turn, you may discard a special energy from your opponent's active Pokemon. Uh, you know, effects like that have been good in the past. Not really good right now, but that doesn't mean it can't be good later. Um, for those that don't know, Mawile is one of my favorite Pokemon just ever. Like, easily top three. Um, I don't know. I just love this. It's adorable, but it's also, like, a menace. And it's never had a shiny card in the in the history of the TCG. All of them are just regular, regular old Mawile, so... I'd like to see the trend be bucked, and uh, you know we get a we get a shiny Mawile. I think that'd be pretty cool. Definitely. Uh, I mean, I'd be down for that. Mawile, Mawile is a sick Pokemon, and I, it's kind of been a while since Mawile like had a card really in rotation at all. When you think about it. Yeah, I mean, it gets a few here and there. Uh, yeah. Oh, actually, hang on. I'm, yeah, I'm looking at the. At, I just typed in Mawile and PKM in cards. It's actually more in Sword and Shield than I thought there was. Uh, looking back, we have the because there was one in base set Sword Shield, one in Battle Styles, one in Fusion Strike, one in the Lost Origin, which does see a little bit of play here and there. And there's the Mawile V and V Star from Silver Tempest. Um, and then already, yeah, two <laughs> there were two Mawile in Obsidian Flames. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, like I said, we we still need a shiny one. We still need a shiny oh, definitely. One. Definitely. Uh, I guess moving along for my number three pick, uh, be a shiny Dialga, shiny Dialga V Star. Yo, be pretty clean. You know. Plus, kinda... I st- I still have faith. Sorry, I still have faith that Deck's gonna have like a little bit more time to shine at some point. Oh, I mean, it's got a whole other year before it rotates. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, so I <sighs> sick. I I actually like. I do want to cheat a little bit, because I would just say, like, Dialga and Palkia together for my number three spot. Just because I think both of those getting, like, shinies would be kind of cool. It especially would be if they cool, had, yeah. Especially if they had kind of, like, some dual matching artwork or something going on, like we've seen in some of the other card artworks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'd be pretty nifty. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that they never, like... Like, that. you know, they did the shiny shtick once in, uh... In Sword and Shield, and then they never went back to it. Yeah. Which was a little, I don't know, I thought it was a little weird to me. Because, um, like, they got the first... Literally, so they, they... It came out after Vivid Voltage, so they only got first-year Sword and Shield cards in there. And that's, like, the worst... Like, those first four sets are, like, the worst part of Sword and Shield, because there's, like, nothing in there. <laughs> like, all those cards ended up being, like, pretty terrible pretty quickly. <laughs> Yeah. There's a few exceptions, of course, but yeah, I don't know why they don't save these shiny sets for like the, the like the very end of the block, like they did with Hidden Fates and Sun and Moon. But I, I suppose that's a conversation for another day, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'll move us along to my number two, uh, and it's actually going to be a relatively new card uh, from Paradox Rift. I'd love to see a shiny Jirachi card, uh, which. I'm only just now realizing his, 
a, a funny card to ask for, considering that the last Jirachi card printed before this was Radiant Jirachi in Silver Tempest. Uh-huh. So, uh, we ha- we've had a shiny Jirachi very recently. Um, but, again, like I said, the Jirachi coming from Paradox Rift with its Stellar Veil ability, preventing all damage counters from being placed on your benched Pokemon by effects of attacks used by your opponent's basic Pokemon. Very playable card right now. Stopping the Sableye, kind of the scourge of a lot of decks that I've been playing up until recently, uh, as well as a few other things. I just love, like, playable, splashable cards, even, you know, even just, like, the smaller ones like this, having a, you know, having some nice higher rarity artwork, kind of like the Manaphy uh, from yeah. Crown Zenith. It's, yeah, I just love that kind of stuff. Definitely, I, I can get down with that. I agree. It's pretty sick. All right, and... uh Moving along here, my number two spot, I have a shiny Giratina V-Star. Just, I love Giratina. Having yeah. a cool shiny Giratina would be cool. Man's got the whole trio going. That's right, dude. Hey, man, I like Sinnoh. That's one of that's one of my big dogs. That's like one of my favorite gens. I mean, that's fair. I mean, there's a, <laughs> a pretty classic Pokemon in there. Uh, I mean, Dialga, Palkia, Giratina are just like, oh, they're just so good. And the shinies are also pretty good. Like, I mean, I we we already talked a bit about Dialga and Palkia, right? But like the kind of the the teal hue on on Dialga, the kind of right. like more vibrant pink on Palkia, and then Giratina just it, it almost looks like they they took Giratina and then like applied like a negative like image filter or whatever, yeah. like a like a I don't even know what you would call it, but like. Just like a, a color inverse type thing. They're like, yep, that's a shiny. It's just going to be weird. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Uh, wait till you hear my number one pick. <laughs> I, I have a good feeling that I that I uh-huh. know what it is, but <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead and, and squeeze my number one in there first. Uh, and that's going to be Ampharos EX, uh, the promo card from the Ampharos League battle deck. Um, only just now figuring this out. I could have swore at some point uh, something like this was printed, but I'm also looking through Ampharos' cards, and he has also not had a shiny card ever printed, uh, which is a little surprising to me. I mean, Ampharos is a fairly popular, not like super popular, but he's like a fairly popular Pokemon. You know, he got a Mega Evolution and everything. Had a GX and Sun and Moon. Uh, some playable cards here and there. I'm Kind of surprised they never printed a shiny Ampharos. It's a little surprising, honestly. Yeah, he's just this... He just becomes pink. He's just this very loud pink, but I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> It'd be pretty cool for the EX to buck that trend, I think. I mean, that's a cool card. I've, I've, I've played it a lot in Miraidon. Uh, I mean, there's, there's probably not any reason to play it in Miraidon anymore, especially since we have Iron Hands, but still a cool card nonetheless. Uh, big fan of Ampharos EX. Again, up there is one of my most favorite Pokemon of all time. And uh, free, free my mans. Give, give him a shiny card. Let's do it. <laughs> Alright, let me get the number one for you, Josh. I have, a, I have a pretty good feeling on what it is. But, I, but I'll, let you, I'll let you take it over here. I'm really curious what your guess is now. <laughs> Uh, it, it is Arceus. That, that is my guess. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. So, I mean, if, like, Paradox Pokemon, like Iron Valiant or something had shinies, it would definitely be that, but, like, 
that's just not even in the game yet. And I doubt they would, they would like ever get that in the card game. You know what I mean? So that was just kind of like off my list. No, Otherwise, that... Paradox Pokemon have shinies. Does it? Yeah, they do. You can shiny hunt them and everything. Yeah. That's crazy. I remember looking it up and I couldn't like find any. Maybe I'm just like dumb. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, I wouldn't blame you for like not know because it's like, I, in my opinion, well, let me hang on. Let me let me think about this. For the future, Paradox Pokemon, they're pretty uninspired, to be honest. Like they, like I think almost all of them just get more gray chrome, and it's kind of lame. Especially for something like Iron Valiant. Like, I think the pink and green on Iron Valiant is so good. And then, like, you lose the green and it just becomes more chrome gray. And I'm like, well, that's kind of lame. Oh, yeah. Hmm. But the uh, the the past Paradox Pokemon, they're a little bit more colorful. But, uh, truth be told, the only one I can think of off the top of my head is Great Tusks. And that, that one's okay. Yeah. That's all right. Uh, yeah, anyway, it's Arceus. Uh I mean, just kind of, like, rounded off the trio there. I mean, we did get a lot of uh, Sinnoh Legendaries in the last couple years, so. Like I said, I'm attached to them all. And, like, Arceus, I don't know. It, 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 as far as I'm aware, does it even have a shiny card? It does. It does have one. Uh, it of is the DX, right? No. No, it is uh, Shining Arceus from the Shining Legends set. Um, not really anything too special about it. It was played in a few spread decks back in the day. It had the attack. Oh, yeah. Ultimate arrow. This attack does 30 damage to each of your opponent's Pokemon. Not bad, but 4 energy is a bit costly. A little bit tough to uh, to get into play sometimes. Um, but yeah, that's that's the only shiny Arceus card we've ever had, I think. Yeah, I would, I would just appreciate a shiny Arceus. Just to round it off. I think it would be pretty sick. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it all goes back to what I said before, right? It's just, like, kind of crazy that, like, they did the shiny shtick once in Sword and Shield and then never again. Yeah. And they just kind of just, like, left it that way. And it was like, okay, that was weird. Um, Because, like, a lot of the, like, a lot of the cards that people are going to end up remembering from Sword and Shield are, like, cards that came out after. That <laughs> came out after that. Um, definitely sword I mean, and shield really did kind of get drowned out honestly what do you think about it i mean just like i said man those first four sets were just so bad like, yeah like i guess like in, in the moment i guess darkness ablaze was okay right like we got eternatus we got crobat we got charizard well charizard wasn't that good back then but never mind that's that that's bad <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was, it was, yeah, 2020 was rough, for sure. Um, well, just out of curiosity, I went, I went, I looked over your list, um, and the only card on your list, or the only Pokemon on your list, that as far as I can tell, does not have a shiny card, let me look one more time here, appears to be Giratina, which is a little surprising, I'm not gonna lie. A little bit. I mean, I don't know, I guess... His shiny is a little bit different. I don't know. I get, most people either like his shiny or you don't. You know. I oh yeah, it's it's it. yeah, it's either like really cool or really ugly. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it is a little weird though, because like I think Giratina's like you know between like Dialga, Palkia, Giratina, and Arceus, I, like Giratina is far and away the most popular uh, of all of those. Yeah. So him being the only one to not have a shiny is a little weird, but. Uh, 
I just like the blue. I like the blue stripes. The blue is so nice. They they really make him pop. <laughs> anyway, I, this I don't know why this this whole thing reminds me of um just just your fun uh, a little fun fact before we sign off the segment I guess I think, remember when they added uh, Pokemon Home compatibility to Legends Arceus uh, and you know other games because uh, Giratina is shiny locked in that game but if you transfer over a shiny Giratina. And then you use Phantom Force with said shiny Giratina. For some reason, the game crashes. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. <laughs> I don't know why, and I don't know, actually. I don't know if they ever fixed it or not. I'm I'm sure that they did, but that was just funny. It was just like literally like day one of the home patch. I saw a few people posting that on Twitter. It's like, are you serious? I was like, oh, <laughs> somebody missed are something. <laughs> it's just kind of funny, but okay. I think that about wraps it up. A quick, uh, a quick top five for y'all this week. You know, not nothing to go too in depth on, but uh, you know, it's it's fun to talk about shiny Pokemon. I think you and I have uh, had our, our our fair share of escapades hunting for shiny Pokemon, and uh, ho- you know, hoping that we get like shiny Pokemon cards or like uh, you know things of that nature. Um, you know, it's it's there's just like something. I can't really describe what it is. It was just like something about shiny Pokemon that like gets everybody talking. Even like, even like people that aren't like super crazy Pokemon fans, if they're at least like familiar with the concept, they're just like, oh yeah, you know, this shiny's cool, that shiny's cool. I'd really like to have this one or that one. Uh, you know, this, that, the other. And uh, no better time to talk about it. So that's going to be our top five cards that we hope to see get a shiny print. Let us know what cards you would like to see either in Paldean Fates or just have a shiny alternate art uh, just in general. Hit us up on Twitter at DamageCounter, DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. And of course, you can keep up with us on the uh, community Discord as well. Links to that are in the episode description down below. But with that being said, Josh, my man, I believe that's episode 47 in the bag. In the bag. I want to thank everyone for listening. As always, appreciate uh, the support. Uh, we've actually had the Spotify Wrapped come around, and I posted some of the numbers and stats for that on our Twitter and in the Discord. So if y'all are curious about that kind of stuff, definitely check it out. I uh, got a lot of support this year, uh, so from the bottom of our hearts, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, if you want to keep up with all things Phelan, you can catch me over on Twitter. At MRDCP, that's E-M-E-R-D-C-P is in Damage Counter Podcast. You can catch me at Smiling underscore Anarchy. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast itself on Twitter, at Damage Counter. Check us out on YouTube. Uh, you know, we talked earlier, we, we did a little bit of a live stream over there on the YouTube, and uh, that's something we want to kind of keep on doing. I might. I was thinking about that. I'm not sure if I'm going to do this, and you know, if, if for any of our listeners that would be particularly interested, feel free to let us know. At, you know, Twitter, email, Discord, whatever. I was also thinking about like making a Twitch page as well, and kind of getting like a multi-stream going. That way, people that prefer one platform over the other, you know, we, we kind of hit the yeah. best of both worlds. Definitely hit us up if if that's something that interests y'all. But either way, check out the YouTube channel as we will be getting some more streams going over there. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode.